professional camera, right? So like even just that, I know growing up, um, seeing things online, like you could tell certain things weren't taken with the cameras that were readily available to either like kids or to whatever, right? So like something where it actually gives you this was taken with X or Y, you know? Also is I feel like almost just as important as editing, right? Because there will be people who get so frustrated as to like, why can't they take a picture like this? And they don't realize that it's a totally different device capturing the image. Right. Yep. 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 Well, it's going to be, it's interesting, but it is one of these things where it was hard enough for kids. And I think even my female friends, um, you know, when growing up in the age of Barbie, you know, that, uh, that was clearly an issue. And then if that, am I correct to assume that that's just going to get multiplied as a result of this over editing um, uh, Instagram, the nature of Instagram is taking that same concept, you know, and kind of multiplying it a bit. Um, but I, once we're in VR, I don't know that it will matter anymore. <laughs> we're going to be tweaking the shit out of each other's, uh, you know, appearance once once we, it all becomes VR and there's no physical meetings anymore. <laughs> oh, man, we, it's going to be wild. Um, okay. So, I have one, Tyler. Yes. Sounds like Johan. Uh, yeah. Yes, it's Johan. Uh, I have a critical one. Uh, a large, actually the second largest pharmacy chain together with, with Coop, which is a uh, Walmart from Sweden, has been hit by a ransomware attack and all the pharmacies and all these large Coops, you that have lived in Gothenburg knows that these are very, very large supermarkets. They have been hit by ransomware, and uh, they have you know, the, all the shops and all the pharmacies are shut down uh, since Friday. You want to speak? Whoa, 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 whoa! Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Okay, let me unpack this. Coop, C O O P, right? Yeah, yeah. Coop, Coop is a supermarket. It's a one. There's basically three big supermarkets in in Scandinavia: Hem Shop, uh, and Coop, and Ika. And so Coop, one of the really big supermarket franchises or, or brands, has been hit with a ransomware attack. And so they've shut down the stores. Yeah, they can't uh, operate the, 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 oh. the cash registers. Oh. I, I just sent you the link in Swedish. So now it's time to warm up your Swedish again. Mike. I can read Swedish just fine. It's just I can't pronounce this shit. That's the problem. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> So, that's how I feel about that's how I feel about Norwegian. I took it for a language requirement in undergrad, and I remember some words and I remember some phrases. But for the most part, like if I were ever to go to Norway, I would just be able to say, "I live in an apartment and I like dogs." <laughs> yeah, re reading is actually quite simple. Is the problem is pronouncing the words. And by the way, in all fairness, I I just have to say, Johan, that you know, living in Japan and learning Japanese as anyone who else has done. And Cheryl can confirm the word that you will hear as a, as a non-Japanese person, as, a, as like a young child wandering around the streets of Tokyo, you will hear many phrases being repeated. But the phrase that you will hear most oftenly repeated in Japan is Sugoi, 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 Sugoi. Everyone's saying Sugoi. Oh my God, oh my God, oh my <laughs> God. Yes, yes. And then you start wondering, what is this word Sugoi? Because everyone's saying it all the time. And it turns out that the word Sugoi means wow or 
holy shit or oh my god it was you know it's this expression of excitement which is quite endearing in its context anyway so it's meant as a kind of compliment also like oh you're that's so interesting you know anyway so then you come to thailand and if you don't speak any thai like a like a child you will observe that there's phrases being repeated and the most repeated phrase is gin cow gin cow gin cow and gin cow means let's eat let's eat let's eat let's eat let's eat because that's all they're talking about half the time about every every third sentence ends with gin cow because <laughs> that's the the core of thai living is eating uh, thai food all all conversations lead to eating so then you have uh, in Scandinavia, or most notably Sweden, you're riding the train, you're walking around, and you notice you'll you'll hear you'll hear several phrases, uh, but one phrase will really jump out quite quickly, which is vasadu, 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 which simply means "What did you say? <laughs> what did you say? What did you say?" As as if we just we just shot what and vasadu in the short vasadu. They they have trouble understanding each other, and so you'll you'll. I don't feel so bad not being able to pronounce the words because clearly they struggle with it themselves. They struggle to understand each other, uh, even <laughs> though they they are born speaking it. So, in my defense, yes, um, I can read it fine. So let me find this article that you tweeted. But this is quite interesting, and it, I imagine in some sense, Johan, that this is related to the fact that. Sweden is cashless. And when you hear Sweden is cashless, you think to yourself, oh, well, they have cash in their wallets. So they don't use it. No, no, no. I've been there for now nine years. I've never seen a dollar bill or a coin. That's how cashless it is. You you go to use a public toilet at Coop, at the supermarket. They have little public toilets, but you got to pay to enter it with a credit card. And that doesn't accept cash. And then you go and you're somebody playing music on the street or whatever, and you want to give them a tip. I've even seen, like, kind of um, when there were refugees kind of begging in the street, they can take credit cards. And the, so it's, I mean, this is just to give you a context of how uh, 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 fully digi digitized the economy is, how cashless, Burger King doesn't take cash, Starbucks does not take cash, nobody's taking, and they have signs that say, we do not take cash. And even Burger King, who's claim big marketing thing is you can have it your way burger king says you can have it your way but you can't pay cash like that's how little they take cash so now my point is is with coop the problem is when the digital infrastructure has a hiccup what do you do because now you cannot sell anything and i think this hack has highlighted a, a vulnerability in the system where if you did take cash as we, the, by the way the power goes out in thailand quite frequently and when it does, the staff write down the, the SKU number of every item you buy by hand on a piece of paper with a, with a pencil, and you pay cash because the people still use cash here. But you, that's not an option in Scandinavia because nobody has cash. So you, hence, the supermarket has to shut down. What do you think, Johan? Yeah, the thing, the thing is here that uh, we don't have ATMs. And uh, the thing is that uh, in the 90s, we had ATMs in, in any corner of any street. The thing is that uh, in Stenungsund, which is the town which is closest to where I live, there is one ATM for the whole city, and that's a city of 15,000 people. There's one. Yeah. Well, which <laughs> the no same with Gothen no, Gothenburg, which, I which think, nobody uses. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. We don't use it. 
the, the only ones that that, that uh, uh, use uh, cash is the shady sector. Correct. Yeah. Funny enough, you're right. As a drug using um, sex club visiting person, I, I know what you exactly what you mean. So. <laughs> No, no, you don't need to tell us. We already know. Oh, that. did I say that out loud? God damn it! So, um, <laughs> the but you, but I I do happen to know that you're right. That's kind of an understood aspect. Yeah. Do we do we do we also uh, cover yesterday that two hundred businesses in America got hit by ransomware too? Yesterday? No. Oh, I just. No, that's a new headline. But Johan, Johan, do we know it, this? This and let's jump on both of these simultaneously. Is the the coop hack? Is that suspected to be Eastern European and kind of the same usual suspects? The thing is, that since it's only reported in the mainstream media, they don't say anything more than they all the shops are closed and it's due to ransomware. Apparently, they have used a remote control uh, software. Um, team view or something like that yeah. to actually get entry into the systems and from there it, it goes steep downhill the thing is i since, since it's saturday i don't have anyone that that i know of that i can knock on the head and ask do you know anything more okay so how, on monday i will know more how long so, ago did you send in that article by the way i'm not seeing it i i, I send it as a dm, DM to okay you personally it. i see uh, on, on your so, so, okay. Johan, are they giving away the perishable since they cannot sell? Like the meat Ooh. and the vegetables? They, because no, Cheryl, no, no, Cheryl, no, no. Cheryl's no, on her they, way. They... <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think so. Johan, the thing is here that they. No, the thing is here that they usually have facilities. And the thing is here that uh, all the Swedish large shops are right on time delivery. So uh, the, the replenishment in the shops is done by the bakery, the, by the, the, the meat, the, the, the distributor of meat, etc. So they don't have any much storage in the shop. So, so they don't have any panic regarding those things yet. Yeah, though I think those that are replenished in is going to get mad because they will fill their freezers and cooling rooms now with things that will expire in a date before they can actually use them. So, yeah, this will be a, a peak, a, a peak trashing on Monday. And so what, what about the U.S. one, Cheryl? It was 200 of what? The comp 200, 200 American businesses are affected. Uh, apparently, this uh, Miami IT company is being investigated now because they are the source. So anyway, it was a ransomware attack. I just tweeted. I got it. I I just retweeted it. I I found an English version of the Swedish uh, one that Renjith found the Swedish version. Thank you, Renjith. I just retweeted that. And I just retweeted yours, Cheryl. It says, latest ransomware attack appears to hit hundreds of American businesses. The U.S. Cybersecurity Agency said it was investigating the attack after an incident at the Miami-based IT firm called Kaseya. And so those are both now on the Tech News Twitter account at TNATW. And speaking of supermarkets, uh, Froz just sent one in from Bloomberg that says, a fortress agrees to buy... Morrison for about $8.7 billion in cash. And this is a follow-up to a headline that we touched on briefly about two weeks ago. Cal, you'll remember that Morrison's was... Hello, just, just, sorry, um, just a quick one on that. Um, if you could do it, uh, perhaps expand upon this a little bit. Mm -hmm. Because Fortress, 
um, as a lot of people would know, has invested into, I mean, they're invested into pretty much everything, right? Whether it's crypto, whether it's um, conventional finance, whether it's private equity into different spaces, such as be it medical or whatnot, and then acquiring a chain such as Morrison's for $8.7 billion in cash, that's cash, in today's environment, um, that, that's a huge deal. And why yeah, and for us, there was a bidding war on this, right? Yeah, the, the two, bang two, on. two or three private equity owners. And, and the general mm. theme, Tyler, you relate to is uh, um, these I'll supermarket chains. Now, but, oh, no, 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 just, just go I'm, ahead. Go ahead, sorry. Just what I'm, what I'm trying to get on here is, A, why would they do that? Because this is the power of this room that I really love encouraging a discussion on. Why would they do this? If you look at their underlying holdings, they hold everything that we've ever been talking about, building in the financial system, building in the e-commerce systems, building in the delivery systems, building in the payment systems, building in versions of Stripe, data collection, etc. all of that, and having as a financial player by even being having acquired that chain and being able to participate in all of those sectors together, what kind of power fortress then gives itself in all of those sectors, this is going to turn into a huge deal because they bring everything to the table. I'll leave it at that, Cal. Maybe you and No, Tyler no, for us, own, I was going to, only going to add to bit. what you're saying. No, there's no, I don't have a, like a, a major, but the, just to relate to the thesis that we've been talking about, which is that these supermarket chains uh, including Amazon, right? So they're like a supermarket chain with Whole Foods and and also their own store now and they'll open more, obviously. But the, through past the pandemic, these supermarket chains have suddenly become hugely valuable, yep. obviously because they've been useful. But to the thesis that we've been talking about, they're also a really good place to collect data, real yep. data, yep. all kinds of data, yep. right? So they've become so valuable. So everyone's outbidding them. And Morrison's is this kind of North UK. It's all over the UK, but it's mostly in the North. And Amazon was involved in them. Ocado, which is a robotics uh, company, was also involved with them. So, you know, they're, they're, it's a, you know, it's, it's, it's a useful asset, but its value has just like gone up. I think, what is it? Like 42% premium on its uh, share price. I'm looking here. So this thing is, uh, to your point for us, uh, people are seeing a lot of value in these supermarkets yeah, let, now. And that's let, the thesis we've been talking about. Tyler. Right. And let's, let's reveal some of these interesting realizations that we've all kind of stumbled upon recently due to the fact that Amazon is a data company and just launched their own very large scale supermarket in addition to the fact that they already owned Whole Foods, right? They own Whole Foods, which is a, the, to me the best supermarket chain on the planet. And yet they just opened and they have Amazon Go's, their little quick shops that are filled to the brims with cameras and lights and everything. And then they opened a full fledged, big old American style uh, supermarket, the likes of which Europe doesn't really have, or actually the rest of the world doesn't really have. And it's it's almost like a goddamn shopping mall full of food is what it is. And these massive American supermarkets, why would Amazon feel the need to have one of those when it already has Whole Foods, which are also very big supermarkets, even by American standards, very large supermarkets, and their little half-size supermarkets, what they call Amazon Fresh or Amazon Go, kind of like a, a double-sized 7-Eleven or something. Anyway, so it turns out that they are indeed, well, there's no staff in them for one thing. And that tells you all you need to know, which is that they're full of cameras because every and the cameras are not just looking at your face and the items that are in your cart. And then you just go on your merry way, just walk straight out to your door. 
uh, because it knows what you put in your cart and it doesn't make mistakes. That's, you know, it's watching you so very incredibly closely. And they're using bi bifocal cameras where they put the cameras six inches apart like human eyes so they can get 3D kind of capturings of your face and all kinds of crazy shit. And it turns out that they're also able to do incredibly interesting tests of everything that you're looking at on the shelves. So if you're debating between Pop-Tarts and the, and the competitor or two brands of diapers or two types of salt or salsa and two types of tortilla chips or bean dips or it doesn't matter, they're able to do a new level of analysis of human shopping behavior that's really never been able to be done before at mass scale. And that I, I, it boggles my mind to think of what how they're going to be able to leverage that because they're going to know and record. And I assume it'll be tied to you as an individual that you were clearly spent 3.752 seconds looking at salsa brand B and 7.5867 seconds looking at salsa brand A. And they're going to tell both salsa companies and monetize that data somehow. But then you as a because the cameras can tell without you revealing your age. Oh, shall we do this again? Should we, Chris, is, is, are we overdue? Has it been a week yet since I've told everybody what these cameras can do by looking at your face? Let's just give a little reminder, shall we? Here's what these cameras can now get from your face. More, more specifically, the combination of your face and your eye, because these cameras are now been up, uh, improved to, to a degree where they can read now from your iris the following. Your gender, very simple. Your age, absolutely trivial. Your physical health characteristics, like if you've ever had a concussion, if you have chronic pains, vision disorders, from your eyes, they can detect if you have vision disorders. Obesity, that's a little easier, I guess. Uh, Parkinson's disease, your mental health uh, status, like if you've had depression, PTSD, autism, or eating disorders, um, your drug consumption, if you've recently consumed alcohol, tobacco, cocaine, MDMA, cannabis, uh, just to name a few. So imagine how they will tie all of these together. And I said, they have your age, and then you become part of a cohort. This is part of the cutting edge of data collection um, and machine algorithm learnings at the moment is, and Google's been doing this for a while, which is, let's use me as an example, as a early, you know, 40-something white male, obviously handsome, obviously genius, and all of these other uh, characteristics that it puts me into this bucket of a cohort. And then all the other 40-something, 40, 40 uh, but my same age, my same gender, sex, income level, education level, da 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 da, da and and it knows the patterns and the behaviors of that characteristic. And so they look at everyone else and what they just bought. And then they know I'm very likely to buy that as well. So they start to create. We start we're starting to realize due to the power of uh, the scope and scale of um, um, artificial intelligences that we are much more like ants than we dare imagine. That we, in fact, uh, follow into pattern, predictable patterns more than we assume. And it really starts to edge up against the issue of free will. That And, and many uh, experts in the field will say very adamantly that we do not have free will. That what we think is free will is not. It's that it's a pro we are actually running a program. That we are actually biological robots. 
and but we just uh, fall under this illusion that we have free will. And perhaps these out artificial intelligences when they're able to analyze everything from the mars perspective with all of the data it can almost you know sort of decipher and crack the code of the free will issue by saying oh no we already know exactly what you're going to do next before you do we already know which song out of these 50 songs you're going to save to your playlist um as we send you this list of songs so it's it's we're not exactly there yet but uh, the, due to the graph of the curve of the uh, uh, improvements, how fast the, this technology is improving its ability to predict what our next move is going to be, it will, we're not, it, it's not far off. So and, and Tyler, with, yeah. this, with this technology that you just laid out, right? And, and even if it was like 50% there, right? Like, you know, it's like, this is huge. 50% in like five years. Let's say all of, all of what you just said, all of it is mass in five years, let's say 30%, 50%. What you've now got is the battle. You can see to, to the headline for us just brought there around, around Morrison's going you know, at, at such a premium. And you see all the other supermarkets here. Supermarkets and generally because it's food, right? It's food. Products. And food is related to health. And health is, you know, it's, it, this is very linked. There's another small, um, I, I, I saw the headline, but I can't find it now, but I'll find it. Another small chain here in the, in the UK called Holland and Barrett. Um, uh, and uh, it's, a, it's kind of like, a, uh, you know, they sell health foods and vitamins and all those kind of things, right? And it's, it's, it's owned by a private equity firm. Uh, uh, it's full disclosure, I advised in, in that a while ago when they, when they, when they bought it and stuff. Um, but it's, um, but what it's, what's interesting is that they're, they're now selling, for example, they're selling, uh, products to help gamers, uh, have concentration as they game, right? Uh, they're also selling products. That, can you imagine like content creators, right? Like you said the other day, how, you know, these content creators, uh, have to be, you know, on 24 hours and, you know, they're just going to have to have these kind of energies. So the food thing helps people perform better. And, and also health. They're retail so, athletes. Yeah, that's exactly. So, so what's happening is, is uh, that's where the value is, right? So you can just see, I mean, if you wanted to get bullish, which is kind of weird because pre-pandemic, you know, supermarkets, people kind of like, ah, eh, you know, they were, they were, they were pretty uh, uh, discounted as a, as, a, as, a, as a category. But now they're, they're, it's an interesting thing. And because of the health, right? And we saw the headlines yesterday. Uh, we brought up uh, on on Walgreens, and then also we know what Walmart's been doing. So interesting, interesting headline for us. This is a uh, it's good. So just just one last add-on, if I might, for Tyler. Yeah, but I, just okay? to think of a supermarket as an AI laboratory, just given the ability to do so much data collection on so many people in so many interesting ways. Yeah, go ahead for us. Right. So what what Kyle hit there, and then Chris, uh, maybe you know, if if you want, and 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 the room has time for it, maybe we can uh, do a quick thirty second add on to this. What what I'm interested in is, you see, when 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 the pandemic happened, supermarkets were most affected, right, because of the physical delivery model, or the you know the touching model of the groceries being delivered, or even having to go to a grocery store. And, you know, the run on grocery stores on account of, for example, toilet paper in the United States, um, a little bit of sense of humor there, but 42% um, premium. I mean, at a time like this, it, 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 it is so clear. And this is, this is why I love this room. It is so clear that everything that we have been talking about here applies because that 42% premium 
is not being paid for those physical locations. It is being paid for data on a particular demographic that Morrison's has a hold over in the United Kingdom and the various other locations that may, they may or may not be present in. What is that demographic? And if we figure out that demographic, which I don't know, then that gives you an exact understanding of what they're doing here. And when Cal talks about you know, wellness products and health products and food related to that, it is clear that what they're going after is artificial intelligence related to that, in, in my humble opinion, and this is just the thesis that I'm looking at, artificial intelligence related to healthcare, wellness, and building towards the same thing, which is, you know, whether it be Amazon Cares, whether it be pharmacies, whether it be that, or, or whether it be delivery models associated with, once again, healthcare. I'll leave it at that. Thank you. Tyler said it. Like, Tyler, this is it. Consumer AI labs, right? Because these are low-margin businesses. It's an e-commerce e e lab, yeah. Premium. And, and, and when you think... When you think about it, one of the advantages Amazon and other online retailers have is in the efficiency of actually getting the product you want to you. Like that's the dilemma of a big store like Target. They have like, you know, a thousand SKUs and maybe only 20% get consumed in, a, in an average day, right? So they have to buy a lot of stuff they never sell. And that's the thing that's unique about Amazon is, you know, whatever you order ultimately gets to you. And so now they have this challenge in Amazon having physical locations where they may not know exactly what to stock now the way they used to. So this data is ultimately important in the efficiency of them and everything you mentioned about AI, health tech and stuff. But I think that's why they got so into the cameras is they need to now figure out a way to sell in a way they've never had to sell before. So other awesome headlines happening right now, and people are sending in some really interesting things kind of on this topic. Cheryl, while we were discussing this, found a really interesting article about fake science is getting faker thanks to AIs. And it's from the next web, which is based out of uh, Europe here. Um, fake science is getting faker. Thanks, AI. Journals are retracting more and more papers because they're not by the authors they claim to be. The practice of science involves trying to find things out about the world by using rigid logic and testing every assumption. Researchers then write up any important findings and papers and submit them for possible publication. After a peer-reviewed process in which other scientists check that the research is sound, journals publish papers for public consumption. That's the game. That's how it works. Now, you might therefore reasonably believe that published papers are quite reliable and meet high standard, high quality standards. You might expect small mistakes that got overlooked during the peer review, but no major blunders. It's science after all. You'd be wrong in expecting this, though. Real and good science does exist, but there, there's a worrying amount of bogus research out there, too. And in the last few years, it has increased in volume at lightning speed, as evidenced by the skyrocketing number of paper retractions. A number of practices uh, currently threaten to undermine the legitimacy of scientific research. That's huge. That's a huge sentence. They include made-up authors, the addition of scientists who had nothing to do with the paper as co-writers, and even more nefarious practices like swapping or swamping journals with submissions from low-quality AI-written junk, meaning GPT-3, by the way. The, this process is similar to a recall at the grocery store. If a previously sold product is bad or dangerous for some reason, the store might decide to recall it and ask all the customers not to use it. 
Similarly, a journal can recall a published paper that in hindsight turned out to be bogus. Of course, sometimes papers get retracted because the authors made an honest mistake in their research. In more than half of the cases, however, it's because of academic misconduct or fraud. Up until a decade ago, this sort of behavior was more or less limited to researchers falsifying experimental data or skewing results in favor of their theories. The more sophisticated technology has become, however, the more things have gotten a lot more complicated. One simple solution would be to just ignore bogus papers. The problem, though, is that they're often hard to identify. Also, once a paper is retracted from publication, that tarnishes the entire journal a bit. Let this happen often enough in the public's cons- confidence in science as a whole goes down. Indeed, that's where we find ourselves in 2021. Therefore, the scientific community as a whole needs to take this problem very seriously. Uh, that's a It's a really interesting thought that had not occurred to me. Uh, open to the floor to anyone who has a thought on that, because that, that is quite an interesting observation. This is Matt. I mean, I can jump in on this. It's yeah, the peer review process like seems holier than it actually is. I mean, I'm on the editorial board for two journals. I serve as a reviewer for a ton of them. <clears throat> the volume, particularly during COVID, but even before that, just is very, very high. So there's kind of like, oh, we want you to review this paper in like one week or two weeks. Please get it back to us quickly. So it's like you kind of check to see like does the science make sense? And if it kind of like there are definitely like cognitive biases that go into it. You don't have access to like the primary data. So you kind of like look at their methods and you take a lot of it at face value. Um, so all the things that are mentioned in the uh, article are definitely true. I am not sure if I've ever come across an AI written paper, but that being said, I don't know if the AI written paper would just pass the Turing test and I would have glossed over it or not. But so I'd say like just the volume, it's the volume of stuff that's coming in, the number of journals that are kind of out there now. They're like very like low tier journals. That yes, are, um, that's what they talk about. So, yeah, that's in so this it's, article it's as well. Quote unquote, yeah, paper mills, unquote, they call them. Peer reviewed. Yeah, it's yes. quote unquote peer reviewed. But it's open access and like, you know, you you have to pay to get your paper published there. So it, there's a lot of junk at many levels. Right. So check this out. It says um, entire companies. Hold, hold that thought. Hold your hold your horses there. Entire companies make money writing gibberish papers and submitting them to predatory journals that hardly reject anything because they charge a fee for publishing. Such companies are dubbed paper mills and getting more and more sophisticated in their methods. Although fraud detection is also getting better, experts have legitimate fears that these unscrupulous actors have honed their craft targeting low-quality journals and may try to swamp real ones next. Of course, there's another question on the horizon. How much longer will humans be the only ones writing research papers? Could it be that in 10 to 20 years, AI-powered algorithms are able to automatically sift through swaths of literature and put their conclusions in a new paper that reaches the highest standards of research? How are we going to give credit to these algorithms for their creators? And that leads to another headline we saw recently about uh, an AI winning, potentially in the future, winning a Nobel Prize. Hey, hey Tyler, I would just, just add to this real quick. So, uh, when so GPT- if I can add, like, yeah. GPT- there, hold on, hold on, hold on. I had I had previously cut off. I think Katarina. Uh, yeah. So let's go back yeah. to Katarina, and then hey. you could go on. So the problem is, which is discussed since a bunch of years, and the EU is trying to do something about it, but it's still not the fit. So the problem is, you have the pressure as a scientist to publish in this um, high impact journals to get more grants and to move on with your career. However, the first thing that is already wrong is that the the data you created is paid by public money, but then this data, this results get held hostage 
by those journals that never paid anything for the research. And you have to pay like $6,000 to publish in them because it's none of them are for free. They are very expensive. You need to pay this money and then you need the everyone, the public has to pay money to read this data that they paid uh -huh. for. So double, that's they're double dipping. Wrong. Yes. And, um, and then we have the pressure to, con if you... She cut um, that you get fully um, uh, philanthropist money, you don't have to publish at all. You just need to give them, you know, progress and real progress because nobody cares about um, journal publication like the sense um, about the aging thing. You just need to find out something that stops aging. But in the regular academia world, you need to keep publishing in order to move on with your career and to get more and more grants. Like you have to. Ah, so this is a very on. wrong but, pressure, but, and it's known that right. But let's help pressure... people understand why it's because you need the name. The currency in this game is citations, and the way to get citations is to have published articles that people are citing. Yes. Right. Yes. Carla, exactly. Can I just? And this gives you a pressure. We know this from a, a bunch of research that pressuring a research group in all these ways just comes out bullshit, like either bullshit projects, bullshit right. papers, right, right, right. and so on and so forth. Right. So, so that is the system that is wrong. It's bad for the public because yeah. the data gets held hostage and it's bad for the research itself. And so, just, um, just to the, make it easy, bio, yeah, hang on, Katerina, just to make it easy, hold on, Katerina, yeah, just sorry. to make it easy for my mom to understand, the getting citations is kind of like getting a retweet. <laughs> and to, and you, to get a retweet, you need to have a tweet, which is a publication. You, uh, imagine if Twitter um, was very selective about who could tweet. And once your tweet was allowed into Twitter, then it's a question of how many retweets did you get? And then future employers and whatnot perceive your value based on how many followers and how many retweets your tweets are getting and how many tweets you Twitter accepted you to have. So it's about how many published articles do you have and the, how many uh, uh, retweets do those published articles get, which is the citations. And hence, there becomes a disincentive to um, use AIs to create... Um, Fake tweets, essentially. Um, so it, it's becoming a crazy game, indeed. Yeah. But Tyler, can Wait, I just can say, I add? Yeah, Gabby, add? hold on. One, Gabby, Professor Asif was waiting, and then we'll go, Gabby. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I, I think publication is absolutely crucial because sure. it's peer-reviewed. Yes. Uh, and if you think of the vaccine, people have not believed uh, uh, governments, but they have, once it's come out of New England or Lancet, people have accepted that data to be uh, validated. So, uh, so it's, it's very true. High citation, uh, uh, high impact journals is where you need to put. Yes, it costs a lot of money. And the best business has been for decades in academic publications. When I say academic, it's not just from academia. It's also from Regeneron. If you go and look at Regeneron on Genentech, they're publishing in top quality journals. So high impact journal publication is here and it will stay. And it is peer reviewed. 
And, uh, I'm sorry, uh, uh, it won't. And we know that it's not improving the quality because the rejection, even in the high quality, in the high quality papers, is even higher than in the lower ones. And the we professor know that the system is not working. Okay. So and and we, and the data is holding. Katerina, let's hold on there. Whoa, 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 whoa! Yeah. Let him finish his thought. That's all right. Uh, so then. Um, who was it there? Gabby, go ahead. You had a quick comment. Yeah, I was just going to add that. It, and, and you guys should be mindful that scientific integrity is a part that has been violated, at least for the past four years here in the United States. And it's been violated by the scientists that have been writing the articles, the peer reviewers, and the people that have wrote complaints about scientific integrity on the federal government level. And I know that because Tyler knows where I work and where I'm from. And so I hope that there is a change to that because you know we could have this AI thing, but when scientific integrity itself is not being thoroughly, is being compromised and, and allowed at the highest levels, then we really have a lot of misinformation and disinformation yeah, we gotta being be shared careful. out there. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, because it, already it's we have a problem with believing the science, specifically climate science. America is third in the world um, and then the large, you know, the, the leading of the most developed countries in not believing climate science already. So that this is, which one might argue might be the most important science to uh, keep uh, believable, uh, especially with what's going on simultaneously in British Columbia and the Gulf of Mexico as we speak. So it's um, it's uh, concerning developments indeed. Hey, hey, Tyler. Yes, Anthony. Tyler. Hey, this is Anthony. I work in, well, I'm an AI researcher, and I'd just like to add a couple of things from an Go ahead. piece. Go yeah. So back when I had time uh, a few years ago and when GPT was being used, a uh, GPT-2 was being used, I would automate a number of things for writing purposes. Um, and I've and we probably will use GPT-3 to automate a number of our scientific stuff and peer reviews and IRBs and whatnot. Uh, well, um, I appreciate you coming clean now that we can report you in as the source behind all of this mischief. Go ahead, Anthony. <laughs> Well, well. So I was actually one of the first um, ten thousand uh, AI researchers that OpenAI gave the uh, beta version of GPT three access to, so I can shed um, some firsthand experiences. And here we go. Uh, if anyone's been in that playground, um, confessions of a GPT three er. <laughs> there, there, are, there, there are different. Come clean, Anthony. Tell us. Tell us. I'll, I'll be honest. Welcome be to honest. confession. <laughs> The, and, and it shows you a lot of the biasness behind the minds of AI engineers who were, you know, the developers. I won't go too far, but that's why they opened it up to um, AI researchers to play around with it. To, um, and that very uh, first time you turned to your friend and you said, I have a great idea. You knew it was wrong, Anthony. Welcome to confession, Anthony. Go ahead and tell us what happened. So, so Oh, well, in this one case, when I was playing around in the playground, um, there are different engines, and I was in the Q&A engine, the question and answering. So I was just asking a bunch of questions, like, who's Anthony Moose, blah, 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 blah. And then it, it must have taken some things out of context by the time I went to, like, question six or seven. And so then the last question I asked, I was like, what is Parkinson's? And then the freaking engine was like, Anthony, you of all individuals would probably develop Parkinson's out of this entire world. And I immediately reported it to oh boy. the developers at um, OpenAI. So, 
And then you realized you'd open the Pandora's box. <laughs> well, okay, so so that's one thing. Another thing I want to add uh, previously when we're talking about the psychology and um, shopping and camera stuff, may I add some two cents on that? So um, I was also a part-time researcher in the psychophysiology lab in the psychology department at Stanford University. And um, I worked under Dr. Paris uh, Marie, and I believe most of the let's, labs... Let's go ahead and name all the names. Go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I think, I, no, this is this is slightly let's, different. Don't worry, you're not recording. Let's go ahead and bring them all in on this too. You want to yeah, ping them in the room? Between you, it's between yeah. you and Tyler in the little uh, little uh, confession. It's room. time to name names. We're, we're coming clean. It's a confessional, everybody. Just, just, just DM me on Twitter, and I'll, I'll say. Go ahead, first. Anthony. But um, geez, where was I? You were about to tell oh. us everyone who's uh, ruining science. No, no, these we're, we're the good people. We're actually pushing science for it. <laughs> All right, so so on that point, we're in a data-driven world. Okay, quick question: Have you ever seen the Hulu show Devs? You can't change the topic on us like that. We're already no. Okay. Okay. The reason, the reason, we know what you're up reason, to, Anthony. The reason, good try. Nice try, nice try, Anthony. No the, no, the reason why is because you know if you watch the show Devs, you know there's a lot of themes and technologies packed into that freaking phenomenal producer and director, but um at the heart of it is causality causal inference so tyler when you're mentioning how amazon's collecting all this data and their shopping lab experience it's all psychologically driven for data driven experience right they're going to collect all these statistical data points and the framework at the heart is going to be a causal framework and this causal framework i mean at that time i was working for human regulation and emotional understanding but you can take that framework and apply it to a number of other areas for political oh, decision oh do tell Oh, lots and lots of things. But anyway, um, there are teams out there, nation states out there uh -huh. uh, that have, you know, so let's say which, Russia. Which part of the China. world? Are, okay, let's say Russia. Okay. Russia, China, U.S., you know, CIA, DOD, NSA, everyone is working towards these, you know, supercomputers for data-driven experience, and they're all using causal inference. And yes, we're getting to the point where all these you know, states and, and Google and Apple and Amazon are doing this too. Everyone has secret labs to try to figure out the future. And I'm talking big data engineering world. And you can look up some of these white papers. Now, um, Anthony, devs, it, it, would this have anything to do with the fact that Google is just essentially made a huge deal to take over downtown San Jose to make their Google town? I don't mind. I live in San Jose. I'm not, I'm not. No, my yeah. point is, is this a, a, essentially a, a data lab of sorts? Oh, no, I, I just think they just want dude, they're they're buying everything all over here. Right. They just but want for the first time, data. now they can have different pools and silos of data that are interact that are have now have the potential to interact with ways all under their purview. For example, they'll have 4000 residential apartments as part of this. They'll have retail. They'll have office space and everything in between. So now they could essentially I live very close to death. I yeah. love the music to my ears. Like, I'm happy for that. Right, that right. Great. But here's where it gets interesting, because now potentially for ostensibly perhaps the first time, a big data company like Google could now see the data um, connections between uh, your the actual food that you're eating from the supermarket in this little part of town, the doctor uh, medical tests at the new little Google clinic that will no doubt, I, I'll bet every penny I have that they'll have a little Google powered clinic there. Oh, 
Google Health is also revising the whole health record system. They're going to do a top-down okay, approach. Hold on. Let, well. I, I got to finish this point because you'll have a gym and they'll know your, your exercise level and the amounts you're doing, the food you're eating, yep. uh, your physiological state, your concentration state, your sleep patterns. I guarantee you part of this apartment's going to have just a neat new little built-in sleeping smart mattress and smart toilet. So they're going to be able to see what goes in and what comes out, if you know what I'm saying, Anthony. Yeah. Yeah. And all it's not uh, intrusive. (laughs) Yeah. But all of that data combined is going to give them a whole new access uh, of what you're going to buy next (laughs) at a minimum. I mean, it, this this could be more than just buying. Like literally, I know. Day. I'm just making a joke. Day of course, there's much more than day. what you're buying. They know where you're going to go next, who you're going to message next, and yeah. the next yeah. thought you're yeah. going to have. That's my once mm-hmm. they once they get every aspect. Every I mean, how many signals are there that they could ultimately collect from somebody and the other twenty thousand people around that person who are all engaging with them and with each other, so they know what all 20,000 people in this little campus are all consuming and digesting and excreting and sleeping and moving and feeling and responding and typing and accept all their emotional in real times and then how they are engaging with each other. And then it starts to get super, super interesting. Well, the real question that they are going to ask if is the world deterministic and our minds deterministic or not, which I personally find very interesting, but I wouldn't like to have it done on me. It'll implode. (laughs) So that's that's why I bring up the Google, the G-Town San Jose redevelopment project, because it's the opportunity to do something totally unprecedented from a data collection um, perspective. So... um, Anyway, there's uh, I, I mentioned what's going on in the in the Gulf of Mexico, the eye of the fire, as it's called. And if you haven't seen this, you have to see it. It looks like the most incredible uh, climax of a Transformers film or a, uh, a Michael Bay movie. It's truly wild. Uh, the fire rages on the ocean surface near Mexico, and it looks like an eye of fire in the middle of the ocean. Like Sauron, like something straight out of uh, Lord of the Rings or something. It's like, it's unbelievable. Um, And then we covered the fake science uh, due to AIs. And now we know that it happens to be our friend Anthony on stage who's behind that. And then Todd, you had one about hybrid work at Apple. Hey, Tyler. Uh, Yeah, I mean, it, it continues to make its way into the headlines. There was data this week that came from Monster.com that said that 90 Five percent of people are considering switching jobs, and remote work is a key driver. Oh boy! And so data just came out at Apple um, that said that many, many, well, fifty-eight percent or better are concerned that um, they will lose colleagues to resignation because they're being forced to come back to work just three days a week in the office. You know, in early September, which Tim Cook and Apple had previously announced, and three out of eight of them, roughly said that they themselves are afraid that they'll have to resign because three days a week is too much to expect. Yeah, as your headline says that I just retweeted, nearly 90% of respondents said flexible options are important to them. That's the new future. I I think people have just gotten way too attached to all of this kind of uh, freedom of uh, their time uh, during the peak COVID. Chris? What happened is is you got told... Sorry, go ahead, Chris. 
we got told we were all gonna die, so we reprioritized life. And now we <laughs> now we got told we aren't gonna die, and we're like, you know what? We still prioritize what we prioritized when we thought we were gonna die. Yeah, simple as that. Is Apple, is Apple asking them to make uh, pay, to take pay cuts as well? Because a lot of the companies are offering pay cuts, right? To, uh, and uh, having to move outside of uh, the, the headquarter regions, right? Right. Some are, yeah. Well, I think they're doing that proactively because if they tell you, hey, uh, if you move to out of the U.S., uh, that's okay, that's fine and all, but we're going to pay you 25% less. And the reason we're going to pay you 25% less is because we can hire people in that other country for 25% less <laughs> so or 30% less. So Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it only makes but sense. They, have, they still have to pay the tax in U.S., right? Correct. Even if they're physically Yes. Also- However, this is important for Americans to know. Speaking as an American who lives outside of America, Americans do, as you just said, Cheryl, and as nearly everybody knows, America is unique in that if you keep your American passport, you will have to pay American taxes no matter what. And regardless of where you earned the money, actually, even if you earned it outside of the U.S. from, you know, you were doing business, you know, in, uh, you know. India and Indians were paying you, you have to pay taxes in the U.S. on that. So, um, however, there's something important that most Americans do not know. In fact, I, I rarely meet anyone who does know this, which is Americans living outside of America for 330 days per year instantly get $100,000 uh, tax discount off of their tax bill. It's, a, it's called a foreign earned income credit. And it applies automatically and at a 35% tax rate that's translates into 35% of a hundred thousand dollars is 30, uh, $35,000 in your pocket, uh, off of your tax bill automatically for staying outside of the U S 330 days a year. You can still come back 30 days per year and you can sleep 30 nights per year in the, in the inside the geography of the sovereign U S territory. So, uh, essentially, $35,000 a year works out to very closely to $100 a day. You are essentially saving $100 per day by sleeping outside of the U.S. Or to put it another way, you are paying $100 per night just to sleep inside the continental U.S. Yes, Cheryl. I have a comment. You already mentioned it's overseas source income, but for this case, they are still paid from the U.S. headquarters. It is not overseas source income. You're right. It would, yeah, in this case, in, in the example that we're talking about, if you're working for an American, American company, then of course, it's, it's still domestically earned income. So yeah, yeah, of course, it doesn't matter in either way. But, um, but isn't Apple registered in Ireland, mostly? True. Yeah, you could be an American and you could tell Facebook, hey, Facebook, hire me from the you know European office as my employer. No, but the reason I brought this up, Tyler, was because this whole thing, of, uh, which is a good thing for, from an American standpoint about bringing American jobs home from a manufacturing standpoint and in, in an industrial standpoint, if you look at a little further into it, and I don't, I don't think Apple is the actual one that has asked for the um, pay reductions in fact, they've actually been kinder to their employees and said you don't need to take a pay reduction. I might be incorrect in that. Correct. But However, if you look at it, a- Apple's really interesting because Apple first said we're coming back Monday, Tuesday, Thursday. Simple as that. And then there was a mini revolt of a signature collection saying, "Not so fast, Tim. We don't want to come back." And then 
the CEO's response most recently, which was about four days ago, was it's on a um, you need to get uh, approved if you want to have some special circumstance uh, beyond the Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, three day scheme. Everyone can work wherever they want. Wednesday and Friday at the office, at home, whatever, at a Starbucks, up to you. And if you, if it's not convenient for you to come in Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, as we have told everyone they need to do, then you can apply and we might grant you that exception. Todd? So the interesting thing about this data is that it, it was a grassroots effort uh, on a Slack channel right. that very few people knew about at Apple and you know, nearly 2% of the employees responded to it. Yeah. So the, speaking of Facebook, uh, to limit the power and reach of the headline today uh, from Wired is that to limit the power and reach of Facebook, U.S. regulators need to take citizens' data more seriously than they do content moderation or even antitrust. It seems increasingly likely that antitrust and content moderation tools aren't up to the task. Here's what we need to do next. Uh, that's coming from Wired about Facebook. And speaking of Facebook, somebody sent in this gem of an article that Facebook is testing Twitter-like threads feature on some public figures' pages. What do they mean by this? Well, you'll have to look at the, our Twitter account at TNATW, which is magically the first letters of tech news around the world, if you, which you can see by looking at the title of this room. The first letters, T-N-A-T-W, is also the Twitter account. If you can figure out how that happened, please DM us. We're desperately trying to figure out how that happened. So I just tweeted from the Tech News Twitter account that Facebook is testing a Twitter-like um, threads feature on sub on some public figures' pages. And it says, get your spool of yarn emojis ready. Uh, social media consultant Matt Navarra first spotted this feature in action and shared several screenshots of how it looks, which I, now I just shared to you on our Twitter account. Facebook confirmed that it's testing the feature with a small group of quote unquote public figures on Facebook for the time being. And what it what it appears to be is um, when you make a post, you know how you make a Facebook post, right? OK, simple enough. It's like a tweet. But in Twitter, you can add additional tweets to the initial tweet, which we call a tweet thread. In Facebook, you can't do that. You have a post, end of story. Well, now some people, some public figures, when they make a post, it now says, would you like to add a post to the this post you just posted? It says, add another post to create a thread. Now you can add another post to any previous one to create a thread. All posts in a thread will have the same audience as the first post create and then there's a big blue button that says create thread so they're now bringing threads to facebook so uh you can you'll inevitably start seeing those soon but that's uh, the first i've heard of it uh richard branson will try to beat jeff bezos to space on july 11th and nine days before jeff bezos's blue origin new shepherd capsule is scheduled to depart and if that's not a um a a it's bad enough that rockets look like penises and now it's just becoming a who's is bigger kind of thing in a whole new way in that it's just getting ridiculous between these two guys um then quick question on that one tyler yes um 
can Branson, so uh, remember the um, issue with the United States legislation and how Bezos um, was trying to compete with, um, what's his name, Musk yeah. on the NASA contracts. Yep. Uh, now, I, I imagine those contracts would only be available to a U.S. entity with headquarters in the United States that is onshore and has done some work or I don't know what the company, what the underlying uh, requirements are. But would Branson and his company be able to get those contracts if they were to expand into that business? Yeah, but they're, they're, bare, they're, not, they're not even going into orbit. So it's not, I don't think NASA has right. much of an interest in what Branson's If they did. Doing. Yeah, but why? If, why? Because if they did in the future. Well, Musk isn't an America born American either. I mean, he had to become naturalized. I'm sure if Branson wanted to, he could get an American passport too. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's much of an issue. From a company perspective, I'm asking, do you have to have the company headquartered in the United States to be able to apply for those contracts? That's what I'm I don't know. Yeah, I'm sure it wouldn't hurt. I don't see why you wouldn't. I what you would I was do, thinking about this. Sorry. Yeah, I mean, it would. It's simple enough for Virgin to like set up a Delaware company just for their space uh, stuff that they want to do with NASA, because NASA might say, "Hey, as a contractor, we have some." some kind of mandate that, you know, we only work with registered U.S. companies. That may or may not be true. I don't know. But if it is, it's not going to be that hard to comply with, I don't think. I have some experience on this, Tyler. I believe you need to have uh, U.S. US uh, um, owners. Because if you remember, Virgin, Virgin Atlantic had an issue when they bought Alaska Airlines. Yes. Right? That's um, right. Yeah. And, so, and, and actually, it's the same in other parts of the world, too. I think Australia, there was an issue with, uh, with uh, Virgin, Virgin Atlantic there. Uh, and so, yeah, you, you, if you're doing anything sensitive um, in the U.S. related to aerospace, you have to have a, a certain percentage, I think, a majority owned by Americans, not just registering your company. It has to be owned by Americans. Now, yeah. The only so, reason I brought it up, Tyler, and I don't want to waste time for you, um, is because I see Bezos competing, and then you know, Virgin is doing a completely separate thing, but I don't see them as not having the ability, the financing capability in the future to try and compete or others coming in. So I see this whole thing with NASA and Musk's love for each other having to change in the future in a competitive landscape forming where this is going to change and Musk might, might not become the blue eyed, stay the blue-eyed boy of NASA for a very long time. That's why I brought it up. So I, I wanted to weigh in really quickly. I think quickly, he will. Yeah, go ahead. Simply because when I think about this, and maybe this is something that we could spin off into a separate room, because when I think about the last like 50 years or so that NASA has been or that we've been in space or more than that and all the products that have come out of research development that you know that are byproducts of the space race possibly that's why I'm thinking about maybe the same way that you are for us as all of these different billionaires get involved in this maybe they're thinking tangentially about the space race or the Mars race right it would be an interesting thing to sort of look at, like, why, why are they all doing this? And what is it that they're really thinking about in the longer term? I don't know if anybody else is thinking around that. I'm same pretty sure way. money's involved. I'm pretty sure these billionaire guys. Uh... <laughs> yeah. But is there something <laughs> else other than like who can get there first? Like what are what are I would love to sort of think about, like, what are the products or the byproducts of getting well, to Mars? And what are the other, you know, I mean, when you think about like Tang came out of it and like mattresses and all of these different products that came out Tang. of it. You, you know what I mean? I'm just thinking about like, I always think go to that first, you know? It took me a minute to <laughs> remember what you were saying. So for the American, for the non-Americans, because I don't think Tang, did, did Tang become international? I don't think it did. Um, 
there was an orange freeze dried ice cream. Yes, it was an orange powdered drink that uh, apparently the astronauts used. And so Tina said one of the things that came out of you know all of our space efforts was Tang, which because it was. It's this weird thing that Americans think that Tang has some connection to outer space because we saw all these commercials uh, telling us that Tang was being used in outer space. Anyway, um, I don't know what they want. What they want are giant contracts with the U.S. government. Well, which more than that, SpaceX has and Bezos right. wants and other others uh, want. So, uh, but check know. this out. Let's not forget, uh, you know, the favorite uh, topic of this room. Sometimes Starlink came out of the SpaceX, right? I mean. You, you know, just have to look down and back to the Earth. I mean, there's a lot of things we can do from space that help Earth, right? I mean, Starlink being a great example, which is an offshoot of uh, of, of SpaceX for okay. sure. So then, yeah. I, for, for me, the big one is also resources. I mean, you know, all the all the minerals and things that we need in, on Earth as we start running out of them, or it gets hard to mine them. I mean, asteroid mining will be a big one uh, down the line as well. So hold on, uh, you just said the magic word Starlink, so I have to share this article that I just tweeted from the Tech News Twitter account, and you have to see this photo of what might be Chris here on stage with his uh, a California Highway Patrol tickets a driver with a SpaceX Starlink dish bolted to the hood of his car. And the guy's driving down a road a good one. on a California highway with a Starlink satellite dish bolted to the front of his Toyota Prius. A California Highway Patrol officer pulled over a vehicle on Friday that had a satellite dish bolted onto the hood of the car. The dish appears to be an antenna from SpaceX's Starlink service, which rolled out in October with the beta program. CHP told CNBC that the motorist received a ticket for a moving violation. A California Highway Patrol officer um, pulled him over and he said, sir, I stopped you today for the visual obstruction on your hood. Does it not block your view while driving? Um, and then the drive, the motorist replied only when I make right turns. <laughs> <A rep> <laughs> <laughs> he, so, he you, have to say that. you have to say that what? with the accent. It's only when I make right turns. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, yes. With it, with the appropriate what, um, redneck accent. Why, why don't he put exactly. it on top? Yeah. Why didn't he put it on top of the car? I, that's a great question, Cheryl. Because he's an idiot is the answer, uh, clearly. But <laughs> back, American have the right. Yes, it's my goddamn right to bolt this thing on my car. My daddy, my granddaddy, lost an eye at the Battle of the Bulge. So, um, what? <laughs> Speaking of why, to your question, Tina, which is actually a good question, like why are the three of the richest people in the world all interested in tr racing into space? That seems a little odd, right? Seems a little strange. What a weird coincidence, right? Un but yeah, here, here, I, I know that's the core of your question. It is weird. It is a weird coincidence. And so why is that? And maybe they know something that we don't know clearly. Right. Because if we were the richest people in the world, we ostensibly maybe we would be interested in going to space for some reason that we don't currently understand. Here's what I think yeah, is they going can't be on. That bored. Right. I think there's I do happen to know that the Department of Defense and the American government has incredibly deep pockets and they are notorious for way overpaying for things like ridiculously, insanely way overpaying, you know, a thousand dollars for a screw on yeah. a, on a on a you know a sat a, a, on a satellite or you know it's just ridiculous ri ridiculous ridiculous. But, uh, this is Prescott, and we are trying to crack down on that pretty well. Right now, I just I here's just what think I think's going on. Money. Tina, hold on. Here's what I think's happening. I think the, that at some point these when you get to the upper 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 
0.0001%, and you join the Top 10 Richest People Club, you start getting lunch requests from everybody on the planet, including people from the likes of NASA. And NASA says, hey, have you ever thought about uh, maybe doing a rocket company? Because we could sure use more geniuses like you, you know, building more rockets. And by the way, we got plenty of money. And I think it turns into a game of the, the like when you were growing up as a kid and there was that one super wealthy person in the neighborhood and you could go mow their lawn and they would pay you $100 to mow their lawn. And you're like, holy shit, is this person an idiot? They don't understand. Like, you know, I'd mow the lawn for like $5 and yet they'll pay me 100 I, I honestly believe it's like the rich person at the end of the block telling you, hey, uh, you want to make a hundred bucks for mowing my lawn once a week? And then as a billionaire, you're like, sounds good to me. Uh, I think we could do that. That sounds like a fine deal. And because I, I have friends who have been approached by the Department of Defense and have asked them to create projects that the Department of Defense would like to see created because they have particular problems and they believe there are particular solutions, but they themselves are in no position to create them themselves. So they start having these meetings with people that they feel are capable of creating their solutions. And they, the Department of Defense and the government are capable of funding those solutions, but they're not able of creating those solutions. I think it's got, I think that comes into this in some capacity. Yes, I agree. Okay. That still does that still does not explain why this guy bolted this thing on the front of his car. What's up, Cheryl? Yeah, you see, except that he's a Elon Musk. Elon Musk is working on this Starlink that may bring goodness to internet to to those with no access. Right? Why can't Richard and Jeff just come together to bring the electricity and Starlink to the world? But Cheryl, but here's my point: is that when the government when NASA had lunch with Elon Musk and they said, "Hey, Elon." Have you ever thought about, uh, you know, putting satellites all over the planet uh, to cover the entire planet with Wi-Fi? Because we as the government would love to see that happen with an American company so we can get that sweet, sweet, juicy, juicy data. And Elon says, oh, really? Um, Well, do you think you could help me get those satellites up into space? And they said, how much do you need, big boy? And well, the FCC is also subsidizing Starlink. This is exactly my point. Is dollars, it's so not just China, like, my product? Yes. Eight hundred and eighty million. Eight hundred and eighty million is the figure. Tyler. Yeah. I think. I hey, wanna... Lindsay, I'm over here. I just wanted to say something to that, Tyler. Like, I think actually you're giving uh, you're giving the billionaires too much credit. To be honest, I think that uh, I'm not giving them credit. I'm I'm <laughs> I'm very specifically not giving them credit. I'm giving the credit to the Department of Defense. I'm giving them the credit for for proposing it, and previously Tyler, is, it, it was assumed that it was it was the billionaires. billionaires. Yeah, go ahead, Irwin, and then we'll go Prescott. Yeah, Tyler, this is an age-old story. If we go back in history and look at Howard Hughes, he was one of the guys that the government did come to him it, to do precisely. certain things that they were not able to do. Right. So this is not this is not something new that our government does. This is something where the money people that can afford to do this and the contracts that are available, the government will come out and ask. Yeah. And, and, and very, we know this actually, there's other more recent uh, evidence of this in the case of Anderl, who just raised a huge round, which is, um, 
uh, 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 Jesus Christ, Palmer Lucky, who created Oculus, sold it to Facebook for $2 billion, And his company now is providing the most cutting-edge technologies to the Department of Defense, namely the, the border between America and Mexico, where a wall was attempted in some places. It was realized this wall thing's a bit more trickier than we uh, had first assumed. And now Palmer's down there with drones and doing all kinds of crazy new technologies defending the southern border at pennies on the dollar. And now Palmer just raised a new monster round. He's now, his new company's now at the most, the most recent valuation is now over $5 billion. He's well on his way to becoming one of the next mega tech companies. And he's now going international as part of this new fundraising because the government, again, it is not in the space. They needed somebody like Palmer to make that company that they can invest in and can be an ideal customer for. Another uh, really interesting example is, uh, Jesus, what was it? Um, I had another. I'll, it'll come to me. Sorry. Go ahead, Preston. Google. Google didn't CIA fund Google in Qtel. In Qtel funded. Google. I'll think of a great example in one second. Go ahead, Prescott. You were chiming in. Okay, yeah, I'm just going to say that NASA is not the DoD. You know, you're saying like yes. uh, the, the DoD is implementing space decisions. Like, not really. I mean, it, there are certain things, but the the launch vehicles that's a NASA decision, right? That's yes. totally different bureaucracy. Correct. What I will say is pulling a page from uh, from DEF Defense Entrepreneurs Forum. I like their term, the virtuous insurgency. There are those of us that are fighting the bureaucracy, trying to overcome the hurdles, and you know, removing as many roadblocks as possible as as we try to deploy better ways to get funding. The problem is with the system. It's just become so bloated that it takes three to five years uh, to get on a contract. And that's not necessarily just a DOD problem. That's a congressional problem. Yep. You have to go what's called POM for funding. And you have to say, hey, I know what I want to buy in three years. And let me go advocate for it now. Yep. And then the legislative liaisons go and take that to the Congress people and say, hey, please give us this money. But in a, in a field, as you know, Tyler, in a field like AI uh, or, or anything cutting edge on tech, how could you possibly predict what you're going to need to buy in three right. to five years? It's yeah. impossible. You've so got a, one of the things that we're doing. Whenever you, when, uh, I just want to say, let's jump into mm -hmm. your New York Times article, which is brilliant as well. Whenever you finish your point here, go ahead. Totally. Yeah, I was going to say um, that one of the things that we're trying to do, and then we'll jump over that article, is uh, is we're launching something called Tradewind through the DoD's Joint AI Center, uh, which is essentially a, an initiative that uses alternative methods of funding. We're creating essentially five new funding pathways within the D DoD, and it's expediting that contracting time so that we can get money into the hands of a company, a sort of small business startup, whatever, in ideally less than 60 to 90 days. So that is a huge innovation for just AI uh, in the coming future. If anyone wants to check that out, take a look at ai.mil or uh, tradewindai.com moving over to the new york times article though that i just sent to you let me go pull that back up this is a article that just came out called these chinese millennials are chilling and beijing isn't happy and it talks about young people in china that have set off a nascent counterculture movement that involves lying down and doing as little as possible and so I thought that that was a really interesting article is essentially this whole 996 philosophy of working, you know, nine hours a day uh, or, or sorry, from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Sorry, 9, 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Excuse me, not nine hours. Six days uh, a six week. Six days a week. Yeah. Yeah. And six days a week, as many uh, employers in China expect, um, that that is something that a lot of young people are like, look, we just don't want to do this. It's affecting our mental health. It's, we're working too much, too long. Um, no, thank you. And they're stepping away. Yeah. And I just thought it was really interesting that as soon it as is. it started trending on social media, the censors came in and they shut it down. Mm. And so that is a 
an article worth discussing, I think, you know, when you talk about cultural anthropology and, and just yep. kind of the culture of Chinese people pushing back against the censorship and the Communist Party. And, and I, I think in, in another room, which maybe you were in Tyler's, um, the gentleman had spoken up yesterday saying, look, we really need to differentiate that Chinese people are not the problem. They're not the enemy. Not it is all. the CCP and it's an important language differentiator as we talk about these yep. things. The CCP is what is causing the problem. It's Xi Jinping and his circle of cronies of, you know, 350 people or whatever it is and influence there. So I just opened that to the 2.2 million party members, but yeah. Um, Thank you for that. Yeah. We've talked about this uh, in in the Chinese characters. Uh, The words translate most directly into lying flat and what, uh, and kudos to the New York times on getting that actually correct because most articles don't. Um, They even use the words lying flat, which is the most accurate translation of the Chinese characters. And because they are laying flat on their backs and the, there is a substantial subculture movement, just as you said, of people saying we've had enough of the 996, it's not sustainable. And, and it's in some, we have to imagine, but not a coincidence that it's coming uh, out of the, out of COVID where similar things happening in the U S as well, where people don't want to go back to work at the, the lower paying jobs. We're seeing if this is not a uniquely Chinese thing, it's just rather remarkable that it's also happening in China because they're kind of not known for lying flat where Americans, you know, Hey, uh, wouldn't well, be that wouldn't be that surprising. If... <laughs> well, remember, remember the theme we talk about here is even Jack Ma, you know, uh, got, got clipped. So like, it's the saying, um, and we learned this here is, the tall grass gets cut, right? right. So you don't want to be the tall grass. Well, there's, is, yeah, that's a that's a, a simultaneous, similar, and perhaps very related point, which is Jack Ma is sort of the most high profile entrepreneur and business person in China, and so when he, uh, you know, when the IPO. Uh, which was set to be the world's largest IPO in in financial history was about to happen with Ant Financial, and then that got that got ice boxed, eighty six put in put in the deep freeze. Then it was reported that Jack Ma was lying low, lying flat. And so, if Jack Ma's lying flat, well, then all of a sudden, all of the not all, many of the other incredibly big successful tech entrepreneurs, also from uh, for example, TikTok's uh, co-founder also decided he wanted to lie low. And then recently, um, the founder from Meichuan, the, the largest food delivery system now, is lying low. And now why are all of these very high-profile um, superstar entrepreneurs now lying low? And if if your you know, kind of business icons are lying low, yeah, then why the hell should I, as some guy working at Starbucks, not lie low too? Like, what you know, let's just all, uh, it, it kind of gives you permission in, in, a, in a sense, culturally. And Tyler, yeah. the, the image on that article is profound, right? Like it's, yeah. and we can talk about this too, but if you go look up that article, yeah. that to me was like, when they say a picture's worth a thousand words, that yeah. definitely was. It's like, here's this young guy lying down in this beautiful serene setting, kind of like a bridge out into the fog. And it's just very profound of saying like, look, just take a break for yourself. And yeah. I think that's something that our culture has certainly latched onto in yep. recent years saying, look, your yep. mental health is important. We want to discuss these things. Yeah. Many times in China, they can't even talk about it. Right. And by the way, there's also Japan did this, uh, Cheryl and if Tomoko or another one of our Japanese friends might be on stage can confirm because this started when I was living in Japan at, at the precise t- same time that I was living there, this new 
precisely nearly identical subculture started coming up that which was termed the uh, Arubaito culture at the time, which was uh, basically the gig economy before the iPhone even came out. They started this concept of the gig economy, which is I'm going to go work three hours a week here and five hours a week there and do part time jobs everywhere. That is what the, the premise was, which is gigs. It's gigs economy. But then there's a new article with a new name for this phenomena in Japan now called NEET, N-E-E-T, which Cheryl shared with us by the seashore about a week ago. And NEET stands for No Education um, or Employment, Employment and Training. Or training. Or training. Yeah, none of the above. I'm not doing jack shit is what it stands but, but for. But yeah. Tyler, it's not new. It's 20 over years. Right. Old. It's still old, but it's a, it's, a, it's essentially a new naming, a new branding of the Arubaito culture. Arubaito Adu, in German means like work. So it's it's, it's this Japanese um, twist on, on a Germanic word, the, this word Arubaito. But um, yeah, it, it's essentially a modern modification, a modernification of the Arubaito culture is now called NEET, N-E-E-T, no education or uh, ed, uh, experience or training. And they just don't want to be part of the workforce in the same old way anymore. And it seems like China's getting on board and it seems like America's getting on board and people are starting to realize, you know what? This whole consumer eco- uh, economy isn't all it's cracked up to be. I just went through COVID and now I, I'm reassessing. And as Chris said, I've got I, I readjusted my values, wonder, facing my own potential mortality. And now I realize I'm not going to die. And you know what? It doesn't matter because I already made uh, this uh, deep change within myself that, you know, just rings true. And I, I, I now no longer care what my former schoolmates think if I'm you know, the next Richard Branson. I'm going to enjoy the rest of my days here on the planet and do with them as I see fit. And I think that's why it's happening in a more global kind of way. And it's interesting to see the subtlety, subtle differences in how it manifests itself in the lying low culture or the NEET culture or the, uh, you know, let's chill the fuck out uh, California culture or whatever. <laughs> but by the way, we must, by the way, give credit to the ties for really pioneering this, by the way, because the ties have been oh, chilling sorry. out since time began so <laughs> i see you've been doing an extended case study on that too, Tyler. <laughs> uh, it's not a coincidence i ended up here but the ties are absolute the zen buddhist masters of chilling the fuck out they have absolutely <laughs> mastered the art of chilling out yeah anthony that's awesome yeah i'm just laughing wow. yeah okay so um thank and you by for the way tyler yeah. if you if you have interest in this topic i'm going to host a session on october 1st um you're welcome to follow me on sure. linkedin and then i'll post on it about there but it's uh basically about china and their meddling in global politics and what we can do as a nation to sort of circumvent their incursions into africa and south america at the moment interesting so the i did follow you but like 10 minutes ago anyway the Uh, Speaking of not chilling out and Elon Musk, (laughs) here's all you need to know. Now the headline coming out that Elon Musk eyes an asteroid uh, worth about 700 quintillion dollars. That's the exact words in the article, by the way. I didn't make that up. Elon Musk eyes asteroid mining of 700 quintillion worth of space gold with NASA. And again, it was a little lunch with NASA. And NASA said, hey, Elon, how does 700, you, you think 700 billion sounds cool? Huh? How about 700 quintillion? And Elon said, say what? And they said, yeah, it's, a, it's, a, yeah. it's an asteroid yeah. with Fuck gold, baby. Let's go get this thing, baby. Fuck 
Yeah. Saving that's their true end goal is, and and this is interesting. I've I've looked into the economic theories behind this and market pricing. I mean, since up until now, at this point, um, you know, these natural resources on our planet is finite and limited. So hence, there is a value behind it. What's going to happen when these billionaires start mining it, uh, mining from you know other planets and bring it back to our planet, or or will they set up other um, exchanges or or uh, monetary values on other plants? How how will that look like? I mean, once you start mining from other plants and bring it back here, then you're going to increase the supply and the price will go lower. Yep, and then next thing you know, gold's not a scarce commodity at all, and there's right. <laughs> the whole <laughs> script gets flipped. Yeah, um, so so I was thinking not necessarily gold, but things like uh, lithium, you know, all the all the minerals we need for, for or rare earth metals we need for, uh, and they're called rare earth, right? So uh, all the stuff we need for um, electric cars, batteries. So I, I I wouldn't necessarily think of just gold, but I think as the population grows and we want to electrify the whole um, you know planet or to clean energy, I think there is a value there to go after the rare earth metals. Yeah. The price the price would stabilize somewhat. It wouldn't be like gold, where it's just like, well, well, well we have Bitcoin now anyway. That's the new gold. So there's another follow up article that I just DM you, Tyler. Okay, about what? Same, same, same. About... Startup gearing up to do this mining. Yeah, yeah, Asteroid yeah. It's not, it's not, it's not just a one headline story. The and then somebody sent this him... is this is when you wish you had a four knob here, right? Like, because I, I know why gold's important. It doesn't corrode. It's a great engineering material, but why? Like, why now, right? <laughs> like, yeah. something's got to be about the gold that's very valuable besides those uh, those key fa factors. Uh, quintillion. The, some, you know, who's going to be the first quintillion, quintillion, quintillionaire? It sounds like a like a rapper. But, name but or that doesn't that doesn't matter if I'm yeah. that doesn't matter if I'm lying low and I have my kids and I've decided that what's important is that my kids. Right. So, like, something's got to be very valuable or useful that we haven't really considered. Uh, I'm, and I'll shut up. That's right. So there's a... What about using what about using gold for everything else? I mean, there, there was a time when steel was very scarce and probably very expensive or or iron making swords and stuff. What if I can have a gold-plated uh showerhead like Donald Trump or something? Everyone can have one, <laughs> right? It, it you know, you can push it down to well, everyone well, like I'm and again it's like... all all the I'm different saying, me like, metals, not just not just gold. Like, I didn't mean to, to speak over you, but what I mean Platinum, is, like, if it was, if like gold was critical for quantum computing, I would totally understand it. But it's like you know, this is a material we've had for forever. We've used it for thousands of years to store value, and we now have this digital store of value. So why why gold now is kind of my question. Well, speaking of. Um current affairs there's a new 4k capable drone uh on massive sale and why is this interesting well bear with us for one second as i get this sucker open hold on here where did it go where did you go where did you go is this you there you are capture cool aerial shots in 4K with the new Stealth Dragon. I know this sounds like an ad. Bear with me. It's not. Uh, the Stealth Dragon 240 headless FPV drone on sale for 109. By the way, an FPV drone is a special type of drone, which DJI just came out with one for like $1,000, where you put on a headset, and as the drone flies, you feel like you're flying because you're not looking at your phone. 
you're in like a VR, like your head is mounted to the top of the drone and you're buzzing around. Um, so you control it as if you're flying. And so this one, it's called the Stealth Dragon 240 Headless FPV First Person View Drone on sale for $119. That's ridiculous. And it seems unbelievable. And of course, what's interesting about this and the fact that uh, Mashable is promoting this is this now, these FPV drones are far, far, far more um, accurate and usable as a militarized drone, which is we've been reading headlines for those who don't know. If you don't join us every day, welcome to Tech News Around the World. We've been covering stories from particularly the uh, parts of India near Pakistan and near the um, Kashmir area where there are now drones that, that are coming over the Jammu Air Force Base that blew up part of the Air Force Base uh, on the first visit. And then there's been drones revisiting every day since. And now India says they're now coming up with a strategy to combat these drones. Israel says they have a new laser to shoot down these drones. America says they have new some new contraption that they haven't really explain the details of of how it can combat a whole swarm of drones and the whole point is we now realize we are now living in a um and in a new world where drones these commercial uh not com i mean consumer drones will now be militarized and that's why this headline of a 100 dollar fpv drone first person view drone is incredibly concerning. It has a 4K camera on the front of this thing. So this is like incredibly uh, keen um, camera footage that one can take with this thing. And there was a headline last week that the FAA, the Federal Air uh, Administration uh, of All Air Issues, is which is all the airplanes and everything that the FAA falls, is, is kind of where anything that goes in the sky comes under the jurisdiction of the FAA. And now the FAA is now saying as a hint, they didn't say, they didn't mention it that they <laughs> precisely why, but now all of a sudden, magically there's a new ruling that all drones of all sizes all now all need to be registered. And you as the operator also need to be registered of any drone of any size. No, no, um, no exceptions because hint, hint, because drones are now militarized. And you, now you, instead of a school shooting, you're going to have a drone shooting or a drone bomb dropping of some of, you know, and it's going to get uh, wild because now people could do drone type things um, and have a much better chance of getting away with it as the people did at this Jammu Air Force Base, you know, a week ago. So um, and that was just a couple of drones. Wait until people start buying, you know, dozens of these things and linking them together as is rather trivial to do. And now you have a drone army. You could have 100 drones all doing coordinated attacks on things. And that is going to happen because the economics just make sense. They are far, far, far cheaper than rockets and uh, and potentially far more damaging and certainly far more accurate. And um, there's even um reports that and we had a, a somebody who was in the know in our room that there are you can have drones with facial recognition built into them uh and in regard to their targets and they can even search as we had a headline yesterday that drones are being used to search for very specific types of um asteroid debris or meteorite debris and using the camera these 4k cameras well it can do the same and search for a particular human target based on their face, and it could go searching for them for weeks and months and 
ostensibly years until it finds that person when it does you know go uh, take take care of them so it's a it's a whole new interesting world of drones i imagine we might even begin to see the, the all of these drones as soon as we get the, here's what's going to happen no knowing the the common law of there are a lot of idiots in the world this is the headline there's a lot of idiots in the world and because of and particularly there's a, there's a particular plague of idiots in america and because of this some idiot is going to use a drone in a very um sensational way like a like a school shooting and as soon as that happens we're going to ban drones in the us because the drone company the biggest us drone company parrot actually that's a Canadian, that's a french company uh and then there's a japanese company and then there's dgi who's the really big player is chinese that we don't even really have a big drone company in America for these consumer drones. So God help that company because they are not politically powerful because uh, as soon as a drone gets used in the U.S., bye-bye drones uh, for consumers in the U.S. Tyler, the, yes. the, the flaw in your logic is once we add guns to drones, then we can't ban them. So we can't ban guns. Ah, so ha, clever, clever wor American to. legal workaround right there. You can't take my drone away. It had a gun on it. <laughs> oh no oh no hey, hey tyler <laughs> and i need hey, tyler this... I, as a militia i have a right to drones because thomas jefferson promised me right I, it's independence day the founding fathers had happy fourth of july everybody i got a i got a automatic rifle on my drone now Hey, Tyler, yeah, this is John. I, I, brain of yours. Go ahead, John. <laughs> yeah, I, I spoke to the CEO of uh, the uh, DIJ, the, the big drone manufacturer about seven or eight years ago. And I said, when these are weaponized, um, how, what's your plan for how to deal with the regulation, registration, licensing, uh, banning, et cetera, et cetera. And his response was three words, not my problem. Um, and the thing that I did at that time is I looked into patenting some IFF for drones, which is identify friend or foe, uh, only to discover that those patents were already held. Um, but there are already technologies for anti-drone uh, capabilities in a domestic context. And the question is, um, when they're weaponized and, and, and they're so ubiquitous, so easy to fly, carrying increasing payloads, uh, it's almost inevitable that, that it's headed right for what you characterized. And what is the regulatory framework going to look like? And is IFF going to be good enough? Mm. Okay. Well, on that happy note, um, Facebook, and, and I'll pause to see if somebody is burning with the headline because there's, uh, by the way, about 12 hours of tweets of people sending in fantastically cool headlines. And I now have about 20 that I've picked out to share, but I want to see if somebody's burning with one they want to share on the stage before I do that. Yeah, this is Donish. Hey, I've Donish. got one and Go. it's the worst. It's the COVID stuff. So I apologize. Let's do it. I know Fun stuff. Not... Yeah. Fun stuff. So um, we had reported on tech news around the world last week that Angela Merkel had gotten an mRNA booster yes. after the AstraZeneca vaccine. Yeah. Today, I've tweeted it to you guys. Today, Germany comes out and actually does a general guidance for all people of all ages that are approved in Germany to get the mRNA booster now. Mm. So it's already happening. Mm -hmm. And by the way, this is on the heels of J&J. &J, without providing actual evidence yet, 
claiming that their vaccine works well against the variants. Right. Um, so what, and what, I yeah, haven't seen that, that's a little that's a little mental um, friction happening because <laughs> the manufacturers are saying, actually, you're probably pretty good here. Right. With if you get the the J&J or you get two of the mRNA jabs, you should be good to go with this whole new variant. And then Germany saying time to get a booster. Yeah, Germany saying now it is actually a recommendation and they are telling everybody now and you guys you guys know employers in Germany work very different than employers in the US. Employers in Germany uh uh because of the way their healthcare system is set up, they're actually sort of requiring and the sort of is you can leave your job and then not have this problem, but they do require that their employees actually go and get. So everybody in Germany, essentially, who is an adult, is going to go and get the second second boost, uh, booster mRNA. And specifically, they didn't say you have to get a second shot of J&J, which was something that people were uh, asking about. People were saying, hey, should we, should we mix and match? They specifically said get an mRNA vaccine as a second dose, and it is safe, which is the first question. And the first question was, will it be safe to take the Pfizer vaccine or the Moderna vaccine after you've taken a J&J? Uh, uh, you know, so they must know something we don't know. And my prediction, and that's what I put in the tweet, is that the U.S. government will recommend that all people who got the J&J vaccine or if they came from outside the U.S. and they got the AstraZeneca vaccine, uh, uh, go and get a second dose of an mRNA vaccine. But they're going to do it when it's too late in traditional U.S. style. And then in one of the tweet replies, Dr. Graham Walker, who started MD Calc and is, is an emergency physician, uh, actually let me know that actually in the U.S. we're not even tracking whether somebody who was vaccinated with the COVID vaccine, whichever type, uh, unless they're hospitalized, we're not even tracking uh, uh, whether they got the vaccine or not. So this is the funny thing. So if somebody comes to the emergency room and they're COVID positive and they leave, we're not actually tracking whether they were vaccinated or not at a high enough level. And this is something that then I asked him more questions about on Twitter, and you guys can see the whole exchange. And he linked to another article where this is happening across the nation. So we're actually doing such a crappy job of knowing whether these vaccines are working at scale. And I think that's really scary. Mm. That is, uh, you know, uh, we talk about, you know, sequencing the entire thing, following the Delta variant. I'm in Missouri. We are going through probably the worst uh, Delta variant outbreak in the U.S. right now. Um, and, and we're just not even tracking this. And the Delta variant, I'm telling you right now, it's just starting. I spent, this is... Donish, did you not hear me say two and three weeks ago <laughs> here in Thailand, pull up the chart on COVID cases in, or deaths in Thailand? And you will notice we didn't have COVID until uh, March, like a month ago, a month, two, mo- um, two months ago, two months ago. Thailand did not have COVID of any kind until two months ago. We had incredibly small cases of it. In fact, we were the first country outside of China to get it. And Bangkok is the most visited city on the planet. And Phuket is the ninth visited city on the planet. We're one of the only countries that have two in the top 10. We might be the only country other than the U.S. And we're next door to China. We had it before. We we were the first place outside of China to have COVID. Despite all that, we only had until... Two months ago, a total of 60 deaths out of 90 million people. And we managed it. We controlled it. We had no problem controlling traditional COVID at all. Go look at the chart. You'll see a completely flat line until two months ago. And then Delta came and just kicked our ass. 
totally kicked the ass of somebody who had no problem controlling traditional COVID. Alpha, I guess it's called alpha now, right? And um, Delta Plus. Right. So now I'm telling everybody, and it's not just Thailand, it's uh, uh, Taiwan and other countries like Vietnam who had done a really nice job of managing traditional COVID are all now getting our, the shit beat out of us by this new uh, Delta version. And so what I said, because I'm from America, holy shit, when this thing gets over to the U.S., you guys are fucked. Like totally. We fucked. are. Yeah. yeah and, and so and one like thing I, said, I will I was, say, one be, thing, Chris, I here's, was here's say why. Here's why. Here's why. Because here in Thailand, every store you walk into, when I say every store, I mean every fucking store requires you upon entry to sanitize your hands, wear a mask, uh, but, and take a temperature before entering any business. Always, every store, always sanitize hands, wear a mask, and get a temperature check. Always, everybody, every store. And everyone's wearing, everyone, 100% of people are wearing masks all the time, even the ones who have been vaccinated now. And it's just accepted. We don't have any complaint about it. We're more than happy to do it. And we are struggling with Delta. So good fucking luck, you fuckers who won't wear a mask. (laughs) Do you want to know what the news this morning, Tyler? Huh? Do you want to know what the news said this morning? I've been up since like 5 a.m. in the U.S. Go ahead. And it's all they're all they're talking about is you should see how packed the airports are. It's amazing. Everyone's going out. I mean, it's a nightmare. (laughs) I was in out Vegas, Vegas last week, man. I was there for a healthcare conference. I'm the only person in healthcare wearing a mask. Yeah, the only cities. I'm the only person in the casino wearing a mask. Orlando. Chris, my grandpappy, my grandpappy fought in the Battle of the Bulge, so I don't have to and wear then, goddamn masks, son. And and the so weirdest America thing, guys, is, is I am typically that demographic. So I'm usually the America guy. Hang on, hang on. One, one at a time. Sorry, sorry. Just one hey, hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Yeah. In the middle. Was it Cheryl? Were you saying? Or... We yeah, a... I'm saying that many Americans are complaining about overpopulation. So now it's time to train. <laughs> oh Jesus! Ouch. Uh, I was just going to say that uh, this is Danish again. I just wanted, wanted to make sure that this got got out. Yeah. I can't give medical advice on tech news around the world, but I can. this is completely Hold on. I'll do it off for the you. record. Go get, <laughs> this is off the record. Go get vaccinated. <laughs> Hold on. Well, my name is Tyler Crowley. I'm telling you, go get vaccinated, you dumbass. That's, what, that's, my, that's <laughs> well, the official well, statement. Well, yeah. Tyler, I, I would add to that official statement. If you've gotten the J&J vaccine, uh, again, this is not medical advice. I got to be careful with my license. But I was going to say that, you know, uh, if I got the J&J vaccine or my family member had gotten the J&J vaccine, I would tell them right now or AstraZeneca for our international friends. I would tell them right now to go get an mRNA booster. Yeah, but Don, Don so that's as much as I, I, can I got a Ph.D. from YouTube University. OK, I don't know where you got your stuff from or Facebook. Call me Dr. Google. <laughs> hey, hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. In the middle of May, weren't we both at LSI? And um, wasn't it crazy how like no one wore a mask and we're all in med tech? I actually was lucky enough to not be down there. <laughs> oh, you but yeah, virtually. Okay. yeah. I had to do virtual. We were we're a startup. We couldn't afford the Rich Carlton. Um, but uh, I'm a yeah, no. Too. I mean, it's I it's amazing, and I I I feel terrible I saying like 10, this, but that whole week my hey, CMO, yeah. my CMO was not wearing a mask. He's he, Doctor Danish. He's he's right there at Wash U. You know, he's in the ER at at uh at a lot of the hospitals in Missouri. You know, and like 
it's it's really the social pressure, man. People look at you and you're like, shit, I look like an idiot. Everyone's not wearing a mask. Mm-hmm. I'm going to mm-hmm. take the, the plunge too. And yeah. it's, if it's we've learned anything, anything in this question, pandemic, guys, go ahead. Can I, can I ask you guys in the U.S. just a question? Because what I, I mean, I'm, uh, uh, we're watching the NBA, my son and I, right? The the And the stadiums are full, right? Like the, the, the Wisconsin, right? Uh, um, absolutely full. Yeah. Are, are people tested before they go in? Like, no. 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 no, no, no. Oh, and no masks. There's, there's like a. No. But you know, the, the, Cal, the what's your, Cal, 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 what's the problem, baby? We're having a good time. We're just trying to watch a little basketball. Right. They, they Why you got to come up in here with your sex. Delta? What? What is this? What are you talking about, the, Cal? It's not even Delta. The absurdity. There were, there were American exceptionalism. The, college world the absurdity of. Week. This is America, boy. We're going to watch some basketball. Yeah, it's July 4th. The absurdity of it all is that. You're told to to get vaccinated, but you're not, and and you're you're told okay, only vaccinated people are allowed, but we don't have vaccine passports. There's no verification required, so you're. It's like okay, yeah, we'll trust you that you've been vaccinated to come to our event, and it's just absurd. People are. I will lying. say that here, uh, yeah. Tina. One second, I was just going to say the one thing that's bothering me about this though is that look, American behaviors are American behaviors, and like we can't change. I guess at the underlying level, the things that make us America Americans are are perhaps sometimes good, sometimes bad. Who knows? But the, the the problem here is that other countries are doing a much better job on the public health level of tracking what's happening. Look at the UK and how they initially responded. Some people will say it was not perfect, but uh, I think most people will say it's not perfect. But we right now are seeing Germany come out and and do this. I can tell you right now. The U.S. will come out in about three weeks if we're lucky. And, you know, I'm predicting it right now. Then three weeks we're going to come out and we're going to tell all the people that got J&J to get the mRNA vaccine, like Pfizer or Moderna, whichever one is first available. And by that time, it will be way too late. And that's the problem. How are people supposed to trust us when we're being so, so bad about our public health? But but you guys probably know. Can can I say that here in America, did you not see the headline that J&J is the better vaccine for for Delta variant that came out as headline news recently, which is sad. It's sad. And the other thing is when the world health organization recently said like masks are necessary for this Delta variant, we're sitting here in America waiting for the CDC to confirm it. And that's taking way too long. If, if the, you know, like there's yeah, so, so much, there's, there's more news flying about the bacteria and all the problems with masks right now than there is about the health, you know? Yeah. It's very interesting. <laughs> I think we got Josh, to say- I would just add, when it came time to get the vaccine, when you signed up to the state portal, as I did, it all depended on what they jabbed in your arm that day. So I was lucky enough, I got Pfizer 1 and 2, my 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 wife got Moderna 1 and 2, but they were also integrating J&J. And, and so it really was just the, the, the pick of whatever you have. So, so that kind of further complicates things that if they say, well, you got to go back and get an mRNA booster or go back and get Pfizer and Moderna, you've got Johnson & Johnson. People are going to say, I just got what you handed to me with the National Guardsman jabbed in my arm at the time. Why was that wrong and why do I have to get it fixed? See, that's what... the thing. Like, we're, We shouldn't be competing on brands right now, right? I think that's the whole problem we're having. In the U.S., you guys are all Burkham brands. And also already realize that Andy Slavitt is already planning a third booster, right, for vaccines. That He mentioned this two months ago, I believe. And even the Moderna CEO... I think last year or earlier this year mentioned that they're already predicting that they're going to actually need to have th- third boosters 
even for the mRNA people. So something's going on. We don't know, but we're, no one's mentioning the fact that any of these vaccines will, again, reduce the incidences of hospitalization. That's the most important fact that any of these vaccines should be marketing. But unfortunately, in the States, you guys are going on brands. And even in Canada, we've had the same problem. People don't want the Moderna vaccine after getting the Pfizer because they've been told so many times that Pfizer is better or whatever. Right. So we've this been having a tough time. So Heyman, Heyman, I just want to be clear about something, though. You made a comment, so I want to make sure I clarify. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This is not about brands. This is about the fact that the J&J vaccine is right. not covering Delta variant. And right. so people in Germany, like the German, you know, uh, uh, healthcare organizations have now done some internal studies, which is what this is based on actual evidence that the mRNA vaccine as a second shot actually protects against hospitalizations and deaths from Delta and specifically, Heyman, thank you for clarifying, Delta Plus, which is the other yeah. thing that's coming down down the down the pipeline. I want to be sure that this is not about brands. I, yeah. AstraZeneca, and I, I'm just saying, you know, the data says that Moderna and Pfizer or the mRNA vaccines are more effective, however you want to define effective, across every measure pretty much, than AstraZeneca and J&J. Uh, and so, you know, uh, I just want to make sure that people didn't get confused here. This is not about brands. This okay. is about uh, we'll specifically get... the modality. Let's move on. We got a, a but somewhat related, of course, is the vaccine passport thing that's just just making re- incredible progress across the EU at the moment. Cheryl just shared a headline from Germany, from DW, my favorite publication in Germany, which stands for Deutschwelle uh, or the German wave. And although it's this, it, they are the best outlet in Germany. And the headline is about the new ID cards, more control, less freedom. Very soon, digital fingerprinting will be mandatory in German ID cards. So they're adding biometrics to all of their ID. The question is, will it make the cards more secure or is it an invasive threat uh, to German citizens' freedoms? Uh, is the big debate happening in Germany on in their main um publication and i imagine it's coming to you know germany and america are actually similar in some ways on these kinds of things so I'm, it, it's it'll be interesting to see if we start adding the the biometric uh stuff to the u.s hey uh, hey tyler board. yes it's ma i hey, just May. wanted to give you hey how hey. are you I just want to give you a heads up that I'm actually with a friend from Germany right now. Yep. And sure enough, they already have it. Yeah. So they're already putting in the biometrics. So and she's because she's traveled to Netherlands and she's actually pretty surprised to Dr. Danish's point. Yeah. That the Dutch are sort of free with their without wearing the mask. But also Netherlands is doing mostly now Pfizer, the biotech and Moderna. They're not even doing any of the others. They're just going forward, forging forward, which is Pfizer. So the article reads, it was, here's the, the article starts like this with a quote saying it was really, it was a really creepy feeling, says data protection activist Lena Simon, describing the moment when she last visited the Citizens Service Center at her local town hall and they wanted her to take fingerprints. She was instructed to press the index fingers of both hands on the glass surface of a scanner. The idea was that the resulting fingerprints would be included in her new passport. However, she used a trick that's not, that she's not willing to share to spoil the scan. Lena is a member of the German organization called Digital Courage, which committed, which is committed to privacy and digital rights. So did it work? Lena says she can't be sure, but what she does know 
For the rest of the day, I felt awful. She says it is invasive when the state forces law-abiding citizens to allow their fingerprints to be taken. After all, she says it's a tool ordinarily used by the police in criminal investigations. I don't understand why I should have to give the state access to my prints when I haven't broken the law. I would just say from the German perspective, hi everyone, uh, out of Berlin, and I also love the Deutsche Welle, that um, in the end of the day, it doesn't matter if uh, one activist is uh, against uh, this whole process, is because Germany at large is a country that obeys the law, and if the law becomes that we share the fingerprint, then that's what we will do. Yep. And that's, that's what's going to happen. Yep. Tyler, I'm... Yep. <laughs> Singaporeans' fingerprints are taken... <laughs> Ever since we have an ID. Yeah. And it's very convenient because at the airport, you can just press your ID and you can just go into yeah. the, you know, without looking, without, without talking to the custom officer. It's just yeah. a gate, you know. It's very convenient. Yeah. And that's, when you that's... come to Japan, they take your bank fingerprints too, right? Yeah. Yes. So what's, what's the problem? Thailand as well now, you have to do fingerprints when you arrive at the airport. But the... It's a lot, a lot of convenience. Come on, trust me, a lot of convenience. Yes, but Cheryl. Okay. Anybody uh, who you... wants to go to Disney World has to do it. Yeah, it's Cheryl. Any of the Disney go, properties go spend, anywhere. Go spend a year in Texas, and then let's see how you feel about uh, how Singapore does things. Because these are two opposite cultures in terms of trusting governments, and the Singaporeans Heck yeah. ha have no problem. Do, a government says I need to put this thing in my rectum, and it's you know it's no problem. What's the problem? There's no problem at all. And then yeah. you know pe people in Texas very pragmatic. As long as it works and very efficient. Right. It. Hey, it's great. It's, uh, you know, now I can jump on the train without, you know, waving my phone. And that's great. And that's wonderful. But <laughs> it's they're two completely different parts of the world with different personalities and how they relate to their government. And what you have, the issue is, and Sweden is ha related to this as well. Swedes trust their government. And that's why they had the this really unique approach to their own way of handling COVID because the government said, we're going to do it this way. And people said, yeah, okay, well, whatever you say, boss, you know, it's just whatever, you know, no problem. We don't resist. We, we trust the government that they did the homework. We don't have time to do the homework. You're the experts, not us. You, and you made the decision. Great. We're going to follow it. No problem. Whatever you say, that's good. It's all good. Well, America the government also trusts the people in Sweden. There's a reciprocal arrangement, which Correct. we don't necessarily have right. here in the U.S. side. Right. Well, they know that the people are going to follow the recommendations, so they are very careful with their recommendations, and they don't want to you know, burden them with something more than is necessary. And that's why they had this really interesting response. Uh, where in America, you say, you know, hey, everyone's got to stay in their house now, and Good luck getting Texans to stay in their house. You go, go try that. <laughs> have fun. <laughs> go. It's bad because you you really have to use almost reverse psychology in order to have people do the right thing in specific spaces. Because even if you say it's the right thing, they're going to call it the wrong thing. So it's like, don't do this. So you get them to do that. Yeah. The, great point. Great America, point. It, no, because just. Yeah, they are. Like, they're. They up. are. Um, yeah, what's the word I'm looking for? Contrarian. Like, if a government says do X, a Texan will do Y. That's just the way it is. I mean, I moved from I moved from New York to Austin to L.A. and I'll say that every single thing that was forward in New York and L.A. was reversed in Austin and also in Tampa Bay. So I went Florida, New York, Austin, Texas, L.A. and it was unfortunate because. To this day, I've got about a dozen friends in Florida and a dozen in, in Texas, and it's literally night and day. And I think this is exactly why group projects fail, 
<laughs> we're all part of these group projects that can't be on a unified front because there are people that will go against the grain on anything. So you almost have to dumb it down to a level that it makes so much sense that you'd be doubting your own intelligence to go against it. And we haven't done that yet. Even clear in the airport and retina scans. So many of my friends and peers and business associates do not have a clear. And I'm just, my mind is blown because they're missing flights or they're complaining about TSA. But if you go through clear and you save that 30 minute to an hour and a half, sometime wait just for the opportunity to do that alone. I don't know how much your time is worth, but if you're getting paid hundreds of thousands of dollars for consulting and you're not taking private jets, like clear is a perfect opportunity for you to do that. If you're worried about your rights and your scans of your eyes and your fingerprints, that's already out there. It's already done. You're not wiping down door handles when you enter and exit things. You're not looking at a phone screen all day. Like it's done. So I think people really just need it dumbed down to a point that it's more digestible. And unfortunately, we're not there yet. Okay. So some fantastic, I now have, because people, Alan, while, just have an interesting one point? second for us, while we are having these fantastic conversations, there are people in the audience and some on stage who are sending in fantastic headlines via the Twitter account at TNATW, short for Tech News Around the World. And I now have about 40 of the best of 400. Uh, so I need to get through these. But before I do, feel free to jump in, uh, Faraz. And then I think Pre-Rock might have wanted it to go in as well. Go ahead, Faraz. So I'll just make it quick. Um, just just in, uh, in in respect of this room, I think some sometimes uh, in, to, to see where the world is headed uh, in terms of tech and everything, sometimes we should be looking at the sovereign wealth fund allocations yep. and what they've been doing. Yep. And most recently, there's a there's a paper that's come out on Bloomberg. Anyone can look it up. It's uh, uh, and I'm happy to tweet it out very shortly right after okay. this. Uh, it, it highlights uh, the Kuwait Investment Authority, which is the sovereign wealth fund of uh, Kuwait, and the longest standing sovereign wealth fund in the world, by the way. Um, and if you look at the allocations and and the and the inflows and how these sovereign wealth funds have risen through the pandemic. The rise of assets of these sovereign wealth funds net sovereign cash flow intake is humongous. And if you look at the allocations uh, that have been made for investments throughout the pandemic and are continuing to be expanded upon, it all shows artificial intelligence, robotics, healthcare, life sciences. So that kind of gives us an interesting fact as to where the sovereigns are looking at. I'll stop there. I'm done. Thank you. Okay. So uh, some of my favorite ones that just came in, Renjant, uh, as he's known for doing, sent in this fantastic one that uh what is rbi in uh, india the reserve bank of india warns against allowing big tech firms into financial services and there it is folks that's the headline i've been waiting for about three months for right and let me explain this is super i'm ringing this cash register one more time there it is because now, this is it. Now, they're finally being clear. This is what it's all about. The Royal Bank of India is now telling the government, let's not allow these big tech firms into fintech. No fintech for you. Get these big data tech companies out of our banking system. No, no, thank you. We don't want to compete with them because they will kick our ass like they're doing in other parts of the world where these digital-based AI-powered data analytic companies say, you know what? We kicked Hollywood's ass, 
and the, and the newspapers. Let's. How about these banks? They seem like idiots. Let's kick their ass too. And they are kicking the banks' asses. And that's why you got all these neo banks becoming mega unicorns left and right, and Stripe's worth a hundred billion dollars. That's one fintech company. And you got my buddy Sebastian over there at Klarna now worth forty-six billion dollars, worth more than all the banks in Scandinavia combined. And he's a little startup. See what I'm saying? So when the when the data when the geeks start playing in fintech the banks start shitting themselves right and so now you understand why the royal bank of india is telling the government uh it's time to stop big tech firms from going into financial services and that's the headline from economictimes.indiatimes.com from the india times entry of big tech firms apple amazon google facebook and microsoft into financial services could present challenges in maintaining uh, an inadequate balance in India. So again, the banks are telling daddy, hey daddy, these big bullies are going to come and kick my fucking ass. Let's not do this, daddy. Let's pl- can you please stop these these geeks? These geeks are mean, daddy. That's the headline. And now we're finally seeing it. And the, by the way, America is now, now you know why these countries are now clamping down on these big tech companies. Because the banks... Oh, and by the way, oh, 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 what's this now? The American government is also clamping down on big tech, just as big tech's about to go into the medical industry. Oh, how interesting. I wonder if the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry and all, I wonder if they're telling the politicians the same thing that the banks are telling the Indian politicians. Nope. I wonder what happens when they understand tokenomic systems and get into blockchain and actually catch up to the speed. <laughs> so here's here's the no. headline from Royal Bank India warns against warns again. I just love the honest transparency of this. Here it is. Finally, Royal Bank of India warns against allowing big tech firms into financial services in India. There it is. They said it and they can say it. Mumbai, entry of the so-called big tech companies in financial services in emerging markets such as India could present challenging to regulators towards maintaining adequate stability and governance of the ecosystem, the Royal Bank of India said on Thursday. These big geeks are meanies. Let me just translate that for you. The central bank flagged monopolistic practices, antitrust issues, cybersecurity risk, and challenges around data privacy as the key concerns that could emerge. Never mind the fact that the fintechs all over Europe have not had those problems, but n- never mind that. Just don't, don't, don't worry about the, the reality there. Big, here's the quote: Big techs offer a wide range of digital financial services of several advanced and emerging market economies. RBI said in its biannual financial stability report, while this holds the promise of supporting financial inclusion and generating lasting ef- efficiency gains. Concerns have intensified around the level playing field with banks, operational risk, too big to fail issues, challenging for antitrust rules, cybersecurity, and data privacy. Big tech is a term used for Google, Amazon, Facebook, Apple, Microsoft that have market capitalizations ranging from between $1 trillion and $2 trillion. Yep, that's correct. And the RBI statement comes at a time when the Indian government has been embroiled in a tussle with big tech firms, most notably microblogging app Twitter. Uh, and Amazon, Google, and Facebook, WhatsApp are active participants in India's real-time payment network, Unified Payment Interface, called UPI. Both Amazon and Google have been enabled financial intermediary services, such as loans and card payments on their payment platforms. 
And here's the last quote here. First, they straddle many different non-financial lines of business with sometimes opaque overarching governance structures, the central bank said. Second, they have the potential to become dominant players in financial services. Third, big techs are generally able to overcome limits of scale in financial service provisions by exploiting network effects. That's right. Let me just expl- let me translate that for you. They're going to kick our fucking ass and you better stop them before they do. There it is. They said it. They said it. It's out in the open. Why wouldn't they just adopt different, I mean, basically create a front runner that's their MVP and they build around it to get ahead? Because I remember when I was 16 years old, this small little company called PayPal was allowing me to make more money than both of my parents combined. And like they have the opportunity now to refresh, restart, renew, and really like take a first mover advantage standpoint as opposed to being rejecting of adopting new technology and how fast it's moving and it's not going to slow down it's just going to get faster and faster especially with things like starlink but that's a whole nother combo (laughs) and but so just a reminder that kodak did not miss out on digital film they were actually leading the way in digital uh technologies but unfortunately as a company they were unable to change uh, fast enough for all these other startups to go and do what they need. Facts. And, um, it, but we were scratching our head. And by the way, there's somebody in the audience, uh, named Animesh Mishra, who I'm biting on stage because he's from India and he's in, uh, tech, uh, uh, into blockchain and ad tech and stuff like that. So I will, uh, initial welcome to tech news around the world. What do you think about the the little conversation we're having here about the Bank of India not wanting to welcome the big tech companies into the financial services in India? Yeah, hi, hi, Tyler. Can you hear me? Yeah, you uh, sound great. Hi. Okay, great. So, uh, so what has happened is that uh, you know because of uh, the social media biggies and uh, so the pressure going on to them. So, what the government has decided is that when it comes to data. And Reserve Bank of India is the Supreme Bank of India, which actually, in a way, controls the economy of India. So what the government has decided that uh, Reserve Bank will have to set out the principles and guidelines uh, in terms of data. And they have to work very closely with the Minister of Information and Broadcasting to lay out the guidelines. So maybe in the next... Uh, maybe month or so, uh, we should be seeing that uh, coming up. The guidelines. Yeah. So, and and one more point, uh, Tyler, I want to make here, uh, which has been like put under the carpet for the moment, is that while at one end Facebook and uh, Twitter and everybody else is facing the heat, but somehow Facebook has agreed to most of the guidelines set by the Indian government. Right. But when it comes to Twitter, now, unfortunately, they have not been able to comply with the guidelines. So they're like playing a teasing game. Yes. Which the government of India is not ready to accept. Right. So I have messaged a tweet today. And if you read that out, it basically the Indian government has asked Twitter that we had asked you for these, 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 these things. Right but you not complied with any of them. Right. So you have to basically give us show notice that why you did not comply. Right. Or get out. And 
Yeah, that's right. Right. They, the because to, to, be, to be honest, they want Twitter to, to get out. Yeah, right now, uh, that's the thing they're saying. Either you follow what we are saying, you follow the IT guidelines prescribed as per February 2021. Yep. If you are not following that, this is not the place for you. Goodbye. Right. And, and do you know why Facebook is actually very happy to comply, but but Twitter's not? I can tell you why Facebook's happy to comply. See, uh, uh, see uh, for Facebook, India is a big market when it comes to advertising. Exactly. Right? And more so, they have financial ambitions that's of right. becoming a payment system. Absolutely. And Absolutely. that's why that's a a multi 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 billion dollar opportunity so yes boss you the boss boss whatever you say boss you want us to do take off our shoes outside and jump up and down and spin around and act like a circus clown you got it boss and yeah, tw- yeah. twitter is not planning to also do financial facebook hold on also- cam hold on cam. because twitter is not trying to be financial services in india so Twitter, it's not as juicy, juicy, huge of an opportunity as it is for Facebook. So they're not as careful about following all of India's demands. Uh, absolutely. WhatsApp is part of Facebook too, right? And the most funny thing, Tyler, is that the Indian government asked all the biggies, including Twitter, yep. to come and have, have a face-to-face meeting. That's right. And the immediate response was that, no, this is covid we can't have a face-to-face meeting. We will have a Zoom meeting. That's right. Now, I'm just telling you how the teasing game is being played. Oh, no. Uh, so my, and, Anish, have you not been joining us every day for the past month? Uh, Yeah, I have been, but off and on. We've been following this in real time each day as okay. it happens. Twice a day. Look at Click on the title of the room. We meet two times every day, and we discuss right. India and Twitter two times every day. All right. Okay. Great. Not only that, but there's also like Nigeria. Like there's a thread about how like I think American companies Russia have as well on the ground in Lagos, Russia. You can't just sit in Silicon Valley and uh, and say don't do a Zoom call and talk regularly. You're going to show up and and uh, and represent. Anish, or, uh, we, the game in we we had the live stream going when the Delhi sent. Uh, six men in uniforms to six heavies tw- as as dave calls them to twitter's hq office in in delhi to have a little conversation to ask them why had they put a little warning sticker on notification on top of the official uh, you know government's twitter account and they didn't like that and they wanted they sent people down to the office to knock on the door there was a live stream happening that we tweeted out in real time we knew they That's were right. there before Twitter knew they were there. That's how close we're following this. That's great. Yeah. So it, it's interesting to watch, but the and it also highlights this banking thing of the government. India is not dumb. India totally gets that these big tech companies are going to come in, and India realizes, you know what? It's probably better if we not let these big American tech companies take over our banks take over our uh, healthcare industry as is now starting to happen in the U.S. and our education system as they are now trying to do, as the big tech companies are starting to do in China, kind of have done in China, and all of our delivery systems and all of our e-commerce. Because left unchecked, these big tech companies are just going to swallow up everything and then you can't do nothing about it. Because once all of these big tech companies get take over your 
banks and take over your medical system and your education system and your commerce where the stores and the future and the delivery systems of all of this stuff and then they start issuing insurance good luck kicking them out because then they'll turn back to you and say you're ki who's kicking who out again uh, thing is tyler yeah. I think what they probably learned from uh, china is that you know um if you look at uh, alibaba or pindu or duo you know, CCP can just come in. They literally just, you know, let them grow for five years. And they said, you know what? Thank you very much. You got the data. We need it. Get out. You know, we'll take off here, right? right. I think India pretty much learning from that. I think what's going to happen in India is that they probably want to follow between that where, you know, drive everything towards people like Reliance, Ambani, because they know they can control Ambani. You know, just imagine that, you know, if a lot of it, that's why, you know, Facebook, a lot of these guys are putting a lot of money into Reliance because they know that that's where things going to head towards because India can control Reliance Ambani because they can go take them into a room and say, you know what, if you don't listen to it, you know, uh, this is how we want, uh, whether it's e-commerce, social media, you know, uh, banking, fintech, whatever it is, if you don't, that's it, you know, you'd be going to, you know, so I think that's the kind of, uh, they learned that from uh, India and I think that's where the model, it probably will head towards. Yeah, yeah you're right, uh, Kiran, but my only uh, question to the people out here is, that why is Twitter behaving like this? Because it's a simple thing. I can tell if you. Law of I can tell you. You have to follow. Otherwise, you move out. I have your answer. You can't be teasing. Like, it's India. It's a big country. Yes. It's the seventh biggest economy and yep. 40 million user base of Twitter. It's not a joke. Yep. And, and no one. Yes. Here's why, Anish. I know it's confusing. It's because Twitter's team is in America. And they are Americans. And they believe in freedom of speech. And they've never been to India and they don't understand India's version of freedom of speech, which is like a little different than America's version of freedom of speech. Because in America, we can say Donald Trump's a dickhead all day long, which you try doing that in India. And then Modi's going to send people down to your office and force you to take down those tweets. And then they say Modi says to Twitter, you take down these tweets or you get out of our country. And then Twitter says, uh, uh, really? Do we really have to do that? Uh, okay, a week later, I will take them down. And then Jack Dorsey is in a big problem, or the leadership at, it's not really Jack, but the leadership at Twitter is in a big problem because if they take down those tweets, their employees say, hey, boss, uh, we didn't like that you took down those tweets, and now me and 500 of the engineers have decided um, if you do that again, we're not working here anymore. Bye-bye, Twitter. Get teams leaving. America. America, son. It's America. You. This is freedom of goddamn speech. Why did you... You're silencing the beautiful, brilliant people of India. Those are their tweets. Why did you take them down? They didn't... The thing is, Tyler, I think uh, the, the point that you're touching on is, is the culture and the value Correct. and the history. Right. So basically, look, when I, when I go to Sri Lanka uh, now, I take my kids. So I lived in England for 30 years. And I, when I go to Sri Lanka, I go to my village. You know what? What I the, the memory that I have is my temple, the values, the, you know, my neighbors, the community. I love it. And to me, that brings who I am. And it kind of, you know, this is the kind of stuff I want to pass to my children. Now, the China, you know, came into the country. How did they came in? Because they saw a loophole and they had a, a you know, a strategic uh, uh, wanted to take up investment in Sri Lanka. So they pumped a lot of money got them debt into debt, chokehold. Now you see a lot of Chinese in my village and you see, uh, you know, Buddhist mosque, uh, sorry, uh, uh, monasteries there and you go, uh, you know, the Chinese uh, walking. Am I happy about it? I don't because they don't respect 
the way of life, right? They come in, they're only there for one purpose, which is financial you know, incentive, nothing else. They are there because their life, quality of life in Sri Lanka is much better than some shitty, polluted city you know, in, in China. Uh, maybe they, they, they're criminals, you know, they're here to work on the infrastructure stuff, right? So to me, they're destroying the culture and the value. So Modi, this is something that Modi's doing right. And you've got to clap our hand for what he's doing because you don't want to let people like Twitter coming into a country like India who don't understand the thousands of language, the, you know, the history, the value to come in. They th- you know, with this uh, uh, Facebook Zuckerberg mindset, let's break things, you know, uh, you know, uh, 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 what is it, fair? Fix things, break. What is it? What, what is the thing that he said? Work fast, break. Break things and move fast or something. Yeah. Move that, fast, that break work. things. Oh, first, you know, that, that doesn't work. That's what Twitter trying to do. And that's what all of these fintech companies will do, right? It doesn't work in India, right? Uh, so I think what is Modi's doing is, you know, either you play our game or just get out. I think it, it works for India. I think Sri Lanka should have been done it. But the problem is that Sri Lanka got too much into debt with China and they can't. And they're paying the price for it now. Okay. So I got now 50 headlines that I got to burn through real fast. Uh, I'm going to go as fast as I can. And I, of course, people can chime in. And Cal sent in a tweet that Canada heat wave. The update is that lightning struck triggers a lightning strike has triggered wildfires now in British Columbia, which are visible from space because it's so dry up there now that it's one big tinder box. You know, it's just like ready to ignite because uh, everything's so dry up there due to all the heat. That's sad to hear. Um, Cal sent in another one about big tech healthcare. Uh, Google Health app leak shows early interface of Google's health app that they've been trying to hide because they don't want everyone to know that they're coming for the health industry, right? Because if if it is known, the health industry in America is going to do what the banking industry is doing in India, which is go to the government and say, these geeks are coming to kick my ass, daddy, help me. So, um but there's now been leaks of the Google Health app in the U.S., and they are going to take over everything. That's just how it works. But the government's now trying to shut them down. And now you know why. Alipay in China, which is one of the two top payment system apps in China, launches in-app NFT sales, which is really quite impressive, actually. One of China's largest payment service providers, Alipay, has launched a platform for the sale of NFTs, which makes a big step forward for the company. Indeed, we're making good pace here. Visa. The payment card uh, processor, facial payments have been seen in Asia for a while, and now it's coming to Europe from what's called VTB and Visa test, what they call pay by glance. So you can pay with your face. And they've, indeed, they've had this in China for, for, more than a, for more than a little bit. And then there's a fun little game that friends play in China when you go out drinking together is when it's time to pay, you all stand in front of the camera together and you let the robot pick who's going to pay because you're all standing in front of the facial recognition system together and it has to pick which face is going to pay. This is a new fun little game you can play when facial when pay by glance uh, starts rolling out in your in your part of the woods. And we're, we're making good pace here. Um, Penn, Penn scientists from Penn State correct genetic blindness with a single injection into the eye. Antisense uh, therapy uses small molecules to alter RNA. Researchers have now used those molecules to alleviate a genetic form of blindness. Awesome. That's fantastic. Facebook publishes first monthly compliance report says it took down content proactively using AI in India. 
And why are they doing this? Because the Twitter competitor in India, as Anish well knows, is called Koo, K-O-O, which we talk about every day here. And Koo is now in a really good position in India because it looks like Twitter is going to get kicked out of India. And that means uh, good things for Koo, the Twitter copy, the Twitter clone in, based in India, domestically built in India, which is very, very, very incredibly compliant with the government because that's the whole point. And that's why Twitter's getting kicked out. And that's why Koo is not stupid. They're not going to get kicked out. They're going to do everything the government wants. And now you know why the government wants to kick out Twitter because they have their own version of Twitter that will do anything that they want, that they can control every way to Friday and they can tax and all the, the, all the benefits of having your own local domestic version of an app, which is when they kicked out all the Chinese apps. You have all, now, all these new Indian versions of TikTok that are booming. And you've got all these new Indian apps that are becoming unicorns. And it's great. Why not? Let's have our own. Kick out the Americans. Get these American apps out of here, too. We got the Chinese apps out. That worked well. That was great. We got a whole bunch of new domestic unicorns that we can control and tax and create millionaires locally who invest in other apps. It grows the ecosystem. Fuck these Americans. Fuck these Chinese apps. Let's do it ourselves. And now you're starting to see the same in Russia, where Russia is now telling the Americans that they have to have offices on the ground in Moscow, just as India did, right, Anish? That was one of the part of the things was you have to have representatives on the ground who are employees of the company. Local employees must be on the ground. That was part of the IT rules, which Twitter had trouble complying with because they hired a lawyer, which is technically not an employee. And India said, that's not an employee. That's a lawyer. You need an employee on the ground. Get with it. Follow the program. And then Twitter kept dragging their feet and now they're going to get and then india said oh okay you know what twitter you want to play games like that fine you just lost your platform protection laws meaning you as a platform are not responsible for what gets said on your platform well you know what twitter you don't have that anymore so now anything said on your platform by one billion indians you're now legally responsible for have fun i'm sure i'm sure no one's going to say anything bad though i mean why would why would any of a billion people how long is it going to take for a billion people to say something the government finds offensive? It's probably going to take a thousand years. No, it took about 10 seconds. And they knew it would take 10 seconds. And the very next day, the new boss of India Twitter's in front of the police station. And now it looks like he's going to jail because he's personally responsible because they lost their platform protection laws. Because now they're personally responsible for every single tweet. And now that's essentially a death sentence to Twitter. It's like telling Twitter, get the fuck out of here. We don't want you here. Stop wasting our Can time. Can we agree these are bad developments? I mean, these are not things for good, or is that a separate It's not good for American tech companies. I think it is good for India that they have their own domestic versions of these things. I don't know if it's good, net, net good for Indian citizens because it's potentially less... Um, so, Tyler, that's the point, Freedom right? of speech. But, Tyler, that's the point, yeah. what Modi's saying. What is good for India is not in Twitter's uh, you know, right. Um, hand. Right. That's the point. Well, more so in the Russian case, because Russia doesn't want people using the apps to coordinate and do all these things. It, it, and you better believe they are watching Clubhouse in every... Uh, the, there's a ton of Russian rooms in Clubhouse, by the way. Tons, tons, tons. Huge, huge rooms. And you better believe the government's listening to every one of those rooms day and night and wondering what uh, Russia should do about Clubhouse or their own version of Clubhouse. Where by, what, what a beautiful tool for the government to have. The, the Russia's own version of Clubhouse that the government actually controls everything that's being said all the time. 
Uh, uh, pardon me, Vlad. Uh, pardon me, Boris. We heard you said something yesterday. Would, would please sit down? We'd like to talk to you about your feelings about uh, Sir Vladimir Putin. Please have a cup of tea. Why, why make? Yeah, but if if you believe in the fair and open free trade of ideas and communication and putting Twitter or specifically Clubhouse aside, these these are terrible developments, and the creation of the splinter net is is a bad thing for society, global, globalism, okay. and back to the headline, bring us together. This book publishes its monthly compliance report for Mr. Modi, as did the coup app, the Twitter uh, competitor. They're both now saying, here's our report for the month of all the content we removed, Mr. Modi, as you asked for, boss. You're the boss, boss. And just so you know, here's everything we took down, boss. Hope you like it, boss. Let us know if we can do better next month, boss. We'll see you next month, okay, boss? You'll be here at the same time, same place, boss. We'll be right back, boss, boss. We'll see you next month, okay? And so, Tyler, wasn't wasn't one of the funny comments that most of the users on Coup are actually government employees? So or, the the, or, the, so, or the uh, celebrities who are friendly with the government exclusively. And, and, and yes. the fact they had to censor so many on a platform that is friendly to the government is kind of a, a tell, too. But now the, the headline... Again, very, very tellingly says Facebook publishes its first monthly compliance report. It says it took down content proactively using AIs, meaning anything we thought might be offensive. We took the liberty of actually just taking that down just in case, boss, just for you, boss, just for you, boss, because we want to stay. Hey, we're still good to do business here, right, boss? We can do a little payment system inside of our apps, right, boss? Because that's about a $300 billion for us, boss, right? Right, boss? We can still do that, right, boss? Okay, boss. So how about this next month? We'll do the same. We'll same time, same place. We'll see you with it. We'll give you another report. We'll show you everything we took down. You know, it's just like uh, it was about uh, 4,000 people said some stuff you might not like. Don't worry about it. They're bad people, boss. We took care of them, boss. There's no problem. Oh, and by the way, we have their addresses now for you, too. Hey, boss, you want to know the names of these dudes? Okay, listen, let's talk next month. We'll see what we can do. Maybe we're going to do a little uh, uh, identity verification system. If you want a little something, some little extra next month, but you let us know. We'll be right back because we ain't about to lose out on this $300 billion opportunity of doing a little financial services. Although I heard your banks uh, are now talking to the Bank of India. You guys met yesterday, right? Yeah, don't worry about them dudes, boss, because they're just trying to confuse you, boss. We're good guys, boss. Look, we just we took down the stuff, right? Don't worry about that bank, Bank India stuff. Don't worry about us, boss. We're going to be good. We are good to go, boss. Tyler, where is this rant coming from? <laughs> I love it. Love it, love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. You're on flow. Keep this going. is hilarious. <laughs> so, in other news, why you should stop using Google Chrome after Aftershock update being reported by Forbes. Uh, billions of users warned to quit Chrome as Google confirms alarming changes. Uh, let's see. Google seems to be hiding. Chrome's rival Brave warned this week as trillion dollar tech giant quietly confirmed a shocking update for its 2.6 billion users. Google is buying time to regroup, Brave said, which is a browser competitor that doesn't track your behaviors and to consolidate its control over web tracking. If you're a Chrome user, this nasty new surprise is a genuine reason to quit. We already know that Chrome harvests much more of your data than other browsers, and now a critical update to stop you from being secretly tracked online. An update that was due in the just a few months has been delayed by at least two more years. Oh, 
Third-party tracking cookies are sneaky little spies on your phones, tablets, and computers following you around, reporting back to their masters. It's the tech that built up the vast targeting ad industry, but as Firefox developer Mozilla warns, this ubiquitous surveillance is used in ways that harm individuals and society. The advertising ecosystem is fundamentally broken in its current form, and they're now um, really trying to paint Chrome as the bad guys because they're keeping this cookie scheme alive, but there's more to the story than meets the eye because in reality, uh, the reason that Chrome really would love to stop these cookies, actually. But they can't because then it will put them in more antitrust heat. So now the Brave browser, which doesn't track you at all, has got Google in the crosshairs, stuck in a catch-22 between a rock and a hard place. Because, as I said, Google would love to stop these cookies. But if they do, it makes them look anti It makes them look like they have a monopoly. So they now have a hard choice. Remove the cookies. And but now you look like more of a monopoly, which the government is claiming you are. So, okay, so we're not going to stop. We're not going to remove the cookies. And then your competitors say, aha, told you they were trying to track all your data. So now they're stuck. It's a catch 22. But the, the competitor Brave browser isn't being really honest about why Google is isn't removing uh, isn't stopping the cookies. So it's kind of a no, funny but- so Tyler, again, it's coming back to the point we talked about India, right? So now once you give the control to, um, you know, Facebook or Google, you know, they can decide when they can remove these cookies. Just imagine they go into India and sweep the whole, you know, every single thing that they've been protecting for the, you know, all these years. And suddenly, you get, and again, it's all coming back to this point. We've seen this, uh, uh, the power, right? In a single, that's, that's, that's the thing with India. And um, yeah, it's, it's a great point. Big Instagram and TikTok changes mean you'll no longer see videos big instagram and tiktok changes mean you'll no longer see videos and fewer friends is the headline the very mistaken headline i happen to know from the washington post but let's go ahead and click on that that seems like clickbait really intelligent clickbait because it's wrong and uh, i i want to prove them that they're wrong it's in the headline from washington post which is has a not a good track record on accurate tech stories uh, it says big Insta- big Instagram and TikTok changes mean you'll see oh you'll um they what a clever what a clever clickbait the actual headline once you click through says big Instagram and TikTok changes mean you'll see longer videos but fewer friends move to allow longer videos means the apps might show you more ads N- no again Washington Post you don't know what's going on I'm sorry guys. The tech journalists at these big publications are not quite up to speed. Let me help you out here. Here's what's going on. So, indeed, the headline's correct. The real headline, not the Twitter headline. The Twitter headline says you'll see, um, anyway, big Instagram and TikTok changes mean you'll see longer videos. That's true. You are going to see longer videos and fewer friends. That's true, too. You are going to see less of your friends on these apps. I'll explain why an incredibly important reason why in a minute. The move to allow longer video means the apps might show you more ads. Well, kind of, but not in the way that the Washington Post thinks that you will. The real reason is because they're going to become competitors to Amazon, essentially, for e-commerce. You're now going to see little shops inside of TikTok and Instagram. And these little shops 
for every all of the little mom and pop shops around your town are now going to be able to make little shops inside of your favorite little apps like TikTok and Snapchat and TikTok and YouTube and WhatsApp and the native Facebook app, all of them. And when they do have their little shops inside of all of these social media apps, and they will be incredibly simple to make these tiny little shops. Then the next thing that happens is all of the people who have influence and viewers inside of these apps are now going to be given the opportunity to promote products from these little shops and get a commission for selling those little products. In fact, they really don't have to do anything. It couldn't be more magically simple because now all of the photos they've ever had before or videos will now have a little a machine learning algorithm that will detect the t-shirt and the pants and the shoes and the bicycle and the water bottle and the clock in every one of their 5,000 photos they ever took before. And now those items will be clickable. And when you click to buy the bicycle, a little pop-up pops up, shows you the same bicycle that's in the photo, but now you can buy it right here in Instagram or TikTok or Snapchat or YouTube or whatever without leaving the app, which they love because they want to keep you in the app and not send you to Instagram. So here's where it gets interesting. The, the creators of these content with their history of 5,000 photos now are going to start realizing I'm going to start getting more clicks on my products if I do videos instead of photos. And longer the video, the better. And then they're going to realize magically in about six weeks from now that, you know what, if I do a live video, I sell even more of get more clicks than my pre-recorded videos because now the audience is talking to me live about the bicycle in my live streaming video and my shirt live and they're asking me and I'm selling them crap all over my house live to the audience live who are watching me and asking me questions and I'm selling it and I've got five left and now I've got four left and there's a pressure to buy now which doesn't exist in the static photo or video and you can buy right now and I got one left it's 30 seconds it's gone next I'll, I'll try and have more next week and this becomes the future of these apps, which they know, but the but the journalist at the Washington Post doesn't know that that's why you're going to see less of your friends. The journalist at the Washington Post thinks you're going to see less friends because you're going to see more ads. Mm, not exactly. You're going to see a lot more live streaming sh shopping. It's what's called social shopping, live stream shopping. And that's why you're going to see a lot less of your friends. And that's why you're going to see a hell of a lot more video. But again, to this journalist, whoever wrote this, uh, I don't even see their name on it, but it doesn't matter because they don't know what they're talking about. But any, but that's tech media in you know June of 2021. So uh, I'm retweeting that that flawed article out so you can laugh at it for yourself from the Tech News Twitter account at TNATW. And then Kieran, you sent in this one about the U.S. C companies hit by the colonial, uh, uh, colossal cyber attack. We covered this, but I'm retweeting it out again from the BBC. Thank you for that. Faraz, you sent in one about the Dyson sphere could bring humans back from the dead. What the hell is that about? I have no idea. I was hoping you in the room could unpack that one. I have. I'll got to be honest. I have no clue, but that's clickbait if ever I saw it. It says... This cosmic megastructure may be the key 
to resurrection and immortality. This sounds like fucking a joke. What what is this? Russian. I know what this is about. <laughs> it says Russian researchers have outlined several ways technological research resurrection may be possible in the future, including a method called digital immortality restoration based on recordings. In this method, a super intelligent AI uses the cosmic Dyson sphere megastructure to harness computers. Hold on. I got a sound file for this. Here we go. Humans can't build a Dyson sphere yet, but the researchers say nanorobots could one day do the job. Imagine this in the far, far future, long after you've died, You'll eventually come back to life. So will everyone else who ever had a hand in the history of human civilization. It's not that far off. It's not that far off. But you said you didn't know what this is about. In this scenario, returning from the dead is a relatively normal part. The journey home will be a hell of a lot weirder than the destination. Go ahead, Frost. What is this Dyson Sphere craziness all about? So what I don't know much about is the Dyson Sphere, right? But the anti-aging thing has been going on for a while now, which I think Chris knows a lot more about, so I'm going to hand over to him. That's two different technologies. Yeah, so yeah, the Dyson Sphere I know a little but, of. The, the, the concept is that if you, uh, as if, if we want more energy, that? one of the best ways to do it is rather than just get a little bit of then, uh, rather than just get a little bit of the energy that hits the Earth, why not go to the, towards the sun and put a, put a wrap around it? Not, not too close, but a big old, like... Uh, big old sphere around the sun or partially around it and, and gather the energy straight from there. That's the idea that as civilizations progress, maybe that's one thing they will do um, to harness energy direct from the sun. And then they seem to be tying that to some other story about AIs doing some sort of digital resurrection, uh, reproducing people from uh, archival data and then running simulations or something. It, it does. I think your first inclination, Tyler, hey, folks, is probably, Tyler a, probably a good one. Yeah. If you want to get a list of questions on this topic, anything around longevity or anti-aging, I will be sitting with the experts at Harvard University later this year, uh, like David Sinclair. Yeah, David and uh, George. Mm-hmm. I think I think the point they're trying to make is that the processing power and the energy requirements to do this high-fidelity actual real simulation would require that much energy. I, I don't know. I think that's what they're trying to do, but they... They made it such an outlandish kind of connection, I think, that, you know, it turned into really kind of BS. Mm-hmm. But, you know yeah, what interested me on just... this article, Chris, was that movie that, um, forgive me, I, I often, when, once I got into tech news, I started looking these things up. And, 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 and that's what, it's really interesting. But there was this one movie that, um, I'm forgetting the guy's name, and how could I forget this guy? I've gone crazy. Um, there was this one fantastic movie, which was, uh, which was kind of done with... Uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. What the hell is that guy's name? How could I forget his name? Um, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp. Yeah, Johnny Depp. There was this movie done with Johnny Depp, and uh, and Johnny Depp died, and he was brought back to life vis-a-vis um, some form of artificial intelligence tech, um, where he was he, he, parts of his life were restored um, and and rebuilt um, through telecom and artificial intelligence. And they managed to do that. And it was just an AI-based system where he's living essentially alive in the, in the artificial intelligence ecosystem. That's the best definition I can give. Okay. So I got to jump through um, about 10 more of these tweets. Can and we J- do uh, some quick uh, eco In a second. We will get there. JT, are you with us? Is JT on stage? Yes, you are. Yeah, I am here. So this is a really fantastic one you just sent in that I'm just tweeting out. That Facebook VR head known as Boz, uh, Andrew Bosworth, or as he's known inside of Facebook as Boz, um, 
says that Quest inside of VR uh, Oculus Quest, which is their headset, that ads weren't communicated well, but backlash was too much. And he says this in a podcast, basically, right? Yeah. So basically, he's trying to say that Facebook had a PR uh, marketing nightmare. Um, ads were intended to be contextual and relevant. There was supposed to be another stream for the developers, and he kept emphasizing that it was supposed to be for the developers. But in the marketing, that didn't come out as the way they had planned for it. For the consumers, it felt like you're just putting ads into another device well, that we're that we we're have, buying. And believe that's it, a, a believe it or not, JT, believe it or not, we actually know more about this than even Boz does on this particular issue because the company who was going to put the ads inside of their headset was a friend of mine named Tommy Palm from Resolution Games. And when the first headline came out, the first headline was, uh, Facebook's Oculus Quest is now going to have uh, ads inside the VR experience, and it's going to be done inside of a game made by a company called Resolution Games. And I said, ah, that's a friend of mine's company. And so I reached out to them and said, hey, let's talk about this. And they said, ah, we can't really talk about it. And then the next day, there was a new headline that said, there's no longer going to be ads inside of uh, Facebook Oculus Quest. And now I know why he couldn't join us in Clubhouse. Because I said, hey, we're, we're talking about this headline in Clubhouse. Why don't you come talk about it with us? He said, I can't. And then the next day, I said, hey, now I see why you can't. Because now you're not going to put the ads in 24 hours later. There was an update headline that... Uh, resolution games is not going to put ads inside of oculus quest so now i said hey now that is it whenever this gets resolved why don't you come into our clubhouse room called tech news around the world and tell us what's really going on you as the actual person behind this actual headline who actually made the actual decision around this actual technology and he said sure i'll come in and he did so he came in and you can flash your mic on stage if you heard what my friend Tommy Palm said, where he outlined for us the actual play-by-play -play of act what actually, in fact, fucking happened, which is more than what the Boz, Andrew Bosworth, from Facebook, from Oculus, knows himself. So I know more about this issue than he does, and so does the people in this room who heard it from the horse's mouth, Tommy Palm. And here's what happened. So Tommy said, yeah, indeed, we had a game, which is a... In this VR experience of this particular game, you're in an arena. And in this arena, we had ads in the arena, just like when you go into an actual arena. When you go into actual arenas, there's actual ads inside the arena. So these ads that we had inside this arena felt like an authentic replication of the actual experience we're trying to replicate. So we didn't think anyone would care because we're trying to replicate the feeling of being in an arena, which has ads. And if you don't have ads in an arena, it doesn't feel very much like a realistic virtual reality of an arena scenario, does it? No, it doesn't. So that doesn't matter because everyone misunderstood because they got all hot and bothered and excited when they saw the headline. There was going to be ads inside of a game and they didn't stop to think maybe it's actually good that there's ads inside the games because that's actually the environment the creating and replicating actually has ads. So when all of the blowback came fast and furious, misguided, mis misunderstood, misinformed blowback of how dare you put ads inside of a Facebook VR experience. Oh my God, you're going to kill VR. Tommy, being a nice Swedish guy, was like, okay, sorry, never mind. Forget it. We'll stop. No problem. Stop, 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 stop the train. We'll get off. Bye-bye. No ads inside the game. We hear you loud and clear, boss. Okay, boss. Whatever you say, boss. And they stopped. 
So that's what happened. And now Boz can say whatever he wants about how he thinks happened. But we heard from Tommy Palm, who's the CEO of Resolution Games, <laughs> precisely what happened. And that's what happened. So that's what it is. And you, you're, you're very welcome. It's called Tech News Around the World. And we get the actual person behind the actual headline to tell us what the fuck actually really, in fact, happened. And Tina just sent in an article about uh, Getter, the social media site recently launched by longtime Trump aide Jason Miller, is so filled with hentai, even QAnon is disgusted. <laughs> but by the way, it's being filled with hentai as a joke by the people who want to sabotage this app because it uh, hentai is uh, uh, infuriating Trump fans in a way because they're basically memeing all of the... So basically the... Jason Miller, who was Donald Trump's spokesperson, made a new app called Getter, G-E-T-T-R, for all of the Trump fans. Great. Here's where the fun starts. A bunch of geeks who are Trump haters jumped in, created a bunch of bots to create all kinds of crazy meme and contents that they know would infuriate this audience of Trump supporters. And they are. They're totally irate. And so that's the essence of what's really going on that I doubt even the uh, author of the article even understands, but that's okay. So next headline is somebody sent in an article about a mini heart in a lab can pump fluid just like the real thing. And that's kind of a very cool innovation. Uh, and I tweeted that so you can read it. And Faraz just sent in the article that Schwab's $200 million charge puts scrutiny on robo-advising, robo-advisor issues, which is becoming a thing. And in fact, Wealthfront is essentially that, which is becoming itself a very successful startup where you can, instead of paying a wealth man, a human wealth manager, you can have an algorithmic automated wealth manager who looks at all of your data and your risk profile. You take a survey, you tell it your risk appetite, how much money you have that you want it to manage, and it calculates the best place for you to allocate all of your money in a diversified way to have the best returns. And mathematically, it does really, really well, like far better than most humans. So you can add wealth managers to the list of things that will soon be replaced, except for the very top, top, top performers. And then eventually what you'll have is the marriage of the two is you'll have humans using the best wealth managers will use the augmented AIs as part of their strategy of making their human stuff. And the humans who are able to outperform algorithms will still have a job and the 90% who can't won't. And that's that's what's going to happen in that industry. Anyone can, in that industry can feel free to comment. Kieran, what do you think? Okay. Investigators have uncovered how a tiny, desperately poor nation by the name of North Korea, that's the headline, by the way. I'm not making that up. This is the BBC's headline, by the way. Investigators have uncovered how a tiny, desperately poor nation can silently reach into the email inboxes and bank accounts of the rich and powerful thousands of miles away and nearly got away with it within inches of success. But how did they do it is the article from the BBC about how North Korean hackers nearly pulled away millions. Uh, I'm sorry, one billion dollars out of people's bank accounts. And, and so how did they do it? Well, you're going to have to go to the Tech News Twitter account and read that article at TNATW, short for Tech News Around the World. It's the first five letters of the first five words of Tech News Around the World. Renjin, oh, now here's where it gets fun, everybody. These next three articles all go together perfectly, separate sources 
all at the same time. Watch how magically beautiful these all go together. Here's the first one from the San Francisco Chronicle about San Francisco. So they kind of know what they're talking about in these cases. More than a fifth, so 20% of San Francisco office buildings are now vacant, the highest level since 2003, which was the absolute bottom of the end of the tech crash, which happened in 2001, 2002. At the bottom of the end of the crash, when it looked like tech had died in 2003, that's where we're back to now in San Francisco. 20% of San Francisco offices empty. That's the first headline. Here's the next. Target says it's closing all six of its San Francisco stores early because of crime, specifically thefts and shoplifting. How are these related? Well, let me explain. Because the district attorney, Chesa Budin of San Francisco, has made it very clear, if you arrest uh, shoplifters, we're going to not press charges on them and let them go. So the police arrested a whole bunch of shoplifters, filled the jails. The jails are full of people who will be let go. Because the district attorney has made it very clear, Chesa Budin, we're not going to press the whole, we're not going to actually prosecute these people you can hold them in jail if you want but we're not going to prosecute them so do what you like police and now the jails are full and now there's the jails only hold if you know x number of people and there's 500 x people that now know that the jails are full and that they even if they were arrested wouldn't get prosecuted so it's now an open heyday to go steal anything you want in san francisco and everybody knows it so it's a lawless wasteland Get it? And now do you understand why the, the, all of the everyone's moving out and it's 20, the lowest vacancy rates since 2003? Hey, yes. Yeah, remember I said three headlines. Here's the third. Here's the third headline from Cron 4, the main television station in the Bay Area. 70% of San Francisco residents say quality of life has declined. And here's why. Here are some of the key findings from the poll. 60% believe it would it should be a high priority for San Francisco to maintain funding for police academy classes in order to recruit younger, diverse, pro- progressive members to replace those who have retired. Left 76% say it should be a high priority for the city to increase the number of police officers in high crime neighborhoods. It won't matter. Because if you hire more police, what do you think they're going to do? Arrest more people, right? They can't. The jails are full. And even if they could... What's going to happen to those people who get arrested? Absolutely nothing, because your district attorney has this incredibly wild idea that nobody should be charged for shit, for theft. Such bullshit. 82% want to see it's more the, case workers. It's the workers. shit sandwich. It's the shit sandwich we've been served in America and in particularly California. I'm sorry. 82% want to see more case workers on the street to help individuals suffering from mental illness. 74% providing more temporary shelter for homeless individuals. And I think it was Tina who wanted or Chetna who wanted to jump in. No, it was me. Yeah. Tina. Yeah. So and not to pile on. I mean, I live here and and I've actually born and raised. So I've lived here. But to pile on to this, this is how bad it's gotten in terms yeah. of the yeah. the disparity between wealthy and not um, Atherton, which is consistently over the last 30 or so years ranked in the top like five if not top 10 places um to live in the country or the wealthiest places in the country it was the wealthiest zip code in america okay thanks tony um uh, there has been a recent rise in atherton burglaries that are so alarming 
And apparently, so I can I can people... add to this. I know a resident at the tune. I yeah. sit with him pretty often, and um, so he was involved with the investigation with the FBI uh, and CIA because any time when there's over one point two million dollar monetary value and um, cross state borders, um, oh, actually, the Secret Service got involved. So the Secret Service got involved, and they got down to this. Um, so yes, during quarantine, um, there was in break-ins in all the wealthiest zip codes, right, uh, in a number of parts of the world, um, Toronto, parts of UK, but over here in Atherton, um, uh, Secret Service got involved. So what they came and found down to it, um, people, so these, they, they hired like Latino gangsters and South American gangsters. Now I'll come back to who they were. Um, but people thought they were just Hispanics, Latinos. Um, what they would do, they carjack, file down the VINs, um, take away the license plate, and they would monitor these, you know, wealthy individuals, which was actually quite easy because the wealthy individuals were at their vacation homes or on yachts and stuff. So these mega million dollar mansions were vacant. I forget the monetary value of how much they've ended up stealing. It's like somewhere in the ballpark of 800 million or 800 billion. I'll come back to I'll come back and find it. But it would not be 800 billion. It would be 800 million in that case. Yeah. Okay, 800 million. Okay, but close to a billion, which is still crazy. Anyway, they, so who it actually was, it was the mafia, the Chinese mafia and triad actually hired these gangsters from um, South America to target these uh, wealthy individuals and the secret service has confirmed that. And I know from, uh, send me the link, Anthony. I would love to see any evidence of this. I I don't know. Okay. You know what? I'll have to find out from my contact. I think there's been some articles recently, but before it was just word of mouth, you know. I'll find I'll find something. Yeah, but if if there if it is uh, verifiable, then of you know course what? a journalist Actually, will publish. I remember now. Yeah, it is. It's in the Atherton News. I'll find okay. it. I'll send. Perfect. Thank you for that. Um, and but it, I'm less. I, I don't I don't want to name names or anything like that. But it, it it wouldn't surprise me when people start realizing, oh, we can go anywhere. Well, I'm going to stop robbing the Walgreens and go down to Atherton into these mega mansions where half of them are empty anyways. Uh, why am I wasting my time stealing toothpaste from a fucking Walgreens? Yeah, oh, this is just common sense. Anyway, so um, other fantastic headlines at the minute. Let's blast through a few here. We uh, we did cover the North Koreans uh, and the billion dollar hacking on the banks. And they nearly got away with it. And then Thai royalists are doxing hundreds of pro-democracy activists using Google Maps, according to the South China Morning Post, which it says Google took down two Google Map documents on Monday that had listed the names and addresses of hundreds of Thai activists who were accused by royalists of opposing the monarchy. Oh, boy. Oh, hot. Damn, that is some serious shit, y'all. Because if you say anything bad about the the monarchy in Thailand, you're going to jail for the rest of your life, even for saying anything even potentially negative. And so now uh, somebody had made a map of uh, the supposedly anti-royalist folks, uh, which would get them in incredibly hot water, even by Thais who are loyal to the monarchy would come and and pull them out of their houses in that case. That's incredibly dangerous. That's wild. So uh, let's hope that gets resolved. And then speaking of Thailand, here's another article I'm tweeting out right now. Overseas tourists roam free on Thailand island of Phuket without quarantine. That's not exactly true. And again, journalists need to do better jobs. I'm here in Thailand on the islands. 
talking to the people involved in doing the sandbox for Phuket. And it's no, it's not without quarantine. There's actually a seven day quarantine when you arrive in Phuket. Uh, you have to stay on the island for seven days and uh, and then you can go about the island. You can read the article, which is mistaken, as most articles are. And this is just the matter of journalism in 2021 is journalists don't if unless they're on the ground at that location. And that's why we do tech news around the world, by the way, from people all around like uh, Animish, who's on the ground in India who came in trying to give us an update on what's going on. We just happen to have other people all over India who come in every day and tell us what's going on on the ground there. And that's why we knew what he was trying to share. But um, that's why this this room is so special. So Lakeisha, who's also in Bangkok, just sent in one that about the first time real estate. Uh, this is kind of interesting. The first time real estate agent Rochelle Atlas Mays saw Julie Stevens' home in Santa Monica, where I used to live, she knew she uh, she knew was perfect for TikTok. One California real estate agent invited TikTok creators to film inside her $5.3 million Santa Monica home. With two weeks, Within two weeks of hitting the market, the property was in escrow after receiving multiple offers. Interesting use case of somebody selling a home on TikTok via TikTok influencers. Very clever development indeed. I imagine we will see much more of that. And then Kuram, who often joins us, uh sends in one that the the Jetsons flying car may be closer to reality is the headline. A flying car prototype from Klein Vision that re- features retractable wings and a tail completed a test flight between two Slovakian cities. Other companies such as Volkswagen, Hyundai, Porsche are all developing flying cars or backing startups that have prototypes in progress, which we cover almost daily. But thank you for the update on that one from Slovakia. And then Chris, you had this one about... Google Assistant records audio even when you're not using it, as which we've told you many times before, but now it's in the headlines. It's it's crazy that it takes the Indian government to reveal that to us. Google Assistant records your conversations even when not in use. The company reportedly admitted to an Indian government panel. So it turns out that even when saying the word OK Google, without saying the words OK Google, the AI assistant still listens to your conversations discreetly. Google has... And what, by the way, why are they doing that? It's a trick question, everybody, for that juicy, juicy data. They can't stop. They're addicted. It's like heroin to them. They need that juicy, juicy, sweet, sweet, sweet data. They just, they can't help themselves. They're going to violate your privacy. They'll sell your grandma to the blood bank. They'll, They'll take your kidneys for that sweet, sweet, juicy, juicy data. They just cannot stop with that. It's an it's just a one track mind with these big tech companies. Google has already previously admitted recording conversations on assistant in a blog post back in 2019. However, the tech giant clearly said it does not. It it does not do so without the magic words. They promised they swore. I really mean it this time. I won't do it again. I promise. I promise you I'm done. I'm done with my data collecting juicy, juicy data sucking ways. I swear. I swear I'll never do it again, boss. I swear. And they just did it again because they're junkies. They're data junkies. That's what it is, folks. They are data junkies. Can we do a Google, Google Eco thing? We'll get there, Dan. Hold on to your pants. Well, is I, the I house on fire, Dan? Off or another room. Uh, go, yeah, do th- go do that, Dan. Minutes. Have fun, buddy. Right. That, uh, the house on fire? I'm sorry. You must be in Canada. So the next one from Matt about, you want to do this healthcare IT news, Matt? Lawsuit filed district court this week for plaintiffs, healthcare industry. 
about Amazon Alexa enabled device. Matt? Earth to Matt. I was back in the last one, Tyler. Okay. I was just imagining I was imagining Google coming into the confession box. Yes. <laughs> Google <laughs> I have a little confession. I have a, I've been bad. I have sinned. I've been listening to your conversations. <laughs> in a suit filed in district court this week, four plaintiffs in the healthcare industry say that Amazon Alexa enabled devices have been have captured private information without their intent. Oh my God, it's happening again. Two headlines back to back, and I swear to God, I did not arrange them this way. I got to tweet this out right now. It's the same, essentially the same headline about a different big data company, this time Amazon. Here it is. In a suit filed in the district court this week, four plaintiffs in the healthcare industry say their Amazon Alexa enabled devices have captured private information without their intention. I mean, they didn't allow it. And Amazon is listening to your stuff without your intention, and they can't help it. Why? And why are they doing it? They're doing it for that sweet, sweet, juicy, juicy data. They really can't help themselves. They are data junkies, everybody. They're, they just gotta, they gotta get that fixed. They gotta get your data. They just gotta, they just gotta have that data. They need it. They, they just need that data. And they said they weren't doing it. And they swear they promised up and down. I swear to you, I swear to you, we're not doing it anymore. I swear, I swear we are not doing this data thing no more. That's the last time. I promise. I pro I fixed. I fixed myself. We went to rehab and we fixed the problem. No more data collected, no more. And then they did it again. Here it is again. And they'll do it again. And they'll do it again. And they'll do it one more time again because they're data junkies they're data junkies hey tyler i sent you that a meme of that dave Chappelle. you know that y'all got any more of that you, know? <laughs> you gotta do a t-shirt and like donate the money y'all got any data do, but I, I know i know people would i know people would scoop it up it's just so hilarious y'all got any um and then here's that article dan wanted but we'll skip it bucket so thank you for joining tech news around the world we got some people <laughs> doing the uh Love it, man. Yeah, where Saturday Tyler is my favorite. Tyler, just a, just a quick one on that. You remember the that acquisition that happened a couple of a couple weeks ago? Which one? Um, it was it, it was an acquisition in the healthcare space, and it was related to the ability to have Siri um, be present in in, in uh, appointments with GPs. And we discussed this point of that, uh, and and we never actually touched it in so much depth upon it. But I'd actually brought it up saying. This could be a possibility for Siri to extract data from appointments. And it's mm. funny how Alexa has now done that. But mm. I'm forgetting the acquisition. I, I wish someone would remember the name of the acquisition and the headline where Siri or maybe it was Alexa. I can't remember. But there was one of these that was being deployed in, in, uh, in, 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 in uh, with GPs so that they could have uh, appointments with, with patients. Ah, so, um, che so check this out. It was a massive deal. So Anthony found the article in the Atherton News about 800,000, not 800 million. Oh, boy. That's a no, fact. No, no. 100,000 from Atherton at that time in Christmas time, but around the nation, it was like 800 million. Uh, okay. Altogether. But the headline, we got to go with the headline. If you can find a headline about 800 million, that, then we got something. But this one says nearly 800,000 was stolen from an Atherton home. One home, by the way. Um 
And yeah, well, let's see if the, I, I would, uh, I think safe to say there'll be more and, uh, let's hope they have drone, their own drone news. army to defend themselves. Yeah. I'm trying to find news, anything about the secret service. It's just so hush hush that I'm probably not even allowed to talk about that. Um, it's only about the residents at Atherton. So, okay. That's not information. Okay. 800,000, 800 million, 800 billion. It's all, it's, Come on, man. after a while, it starts adding up. So um, there is a med tech news room going on, if I understand correctly, or there was, and we just blew right over it. Uh, I'm not sure. Uh, was there? No, 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 back no, 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 it's later on. Oh, oh in five hours, uh, five hours time, I think. Yeah. Okay, that's right. That's right. Chris, what yeah, did no, you you're good. You're good. <clears throat> <laughs> oh my God, Chris, I have to send out this photo via Twitter. So for those who were fans of the... Um, God damn it. What was the show? Um, what was this show from? Um, Dave Chappelle, the Dave Chappelle show where he did an appearance on, um, X, uh, no, what was the show? Fear Factor as a character named Tyrone Biggins. And he's, he's a crack addict as part of his comedy skit. Oh, I I remember that was hilarious. Yes. I know what you're talking about. And he keeps asking, y'all got some crack? Y'all got some crack? And so somebody made a very funny photo that I'm tweeting out. Chris, did you make the photo? Yeah, yeah. Dude, because Tyler, I cannot hear the word data anymore without hearing your voice going, sweet, sweet, juicy, juicy (laughs) data. (laughs) So you have to see the the tweet, uh, the photo that I just sent out from Chris, which is truly genius. It's It's a photo of David Chappelle dressed as Tyrone Biggins saying, y'all got more of that sweet, sweet, juicy, juicy data. Uh, it's funny. Okay. Uh, well, we'll end it there. We'll save the, there's a whole, a shit ton of headlines that people keep sending in. Um, and, that and, was just great. And that Don is crack. Great. Todd <laughs> sent in another funny one about uh, a confession of Google uh, taking your sweet, sweet, juicy, juicy data. <laughs> and, and someone posted a very nice T-shirt of technology. Oh, yes. The world. Yes. Uh, somebody very did. Nice. Yes. I need to find that and give a, a quick shout out. Somebody bought a shirt from the Tech News shop, which you will see from the Tech News Twitter account on the top tweet pinned tweet. And you can get a shirt or a mug too and become part of the very beautiful family of uh, Tech News, Tech Newsers, as we're known. Uh, around the webs and by getting a mug or a shirt and sending in a photo. And I will add that to the pinned tweets and um, very nice, very nice photo of Chip Wolf there that we tweeted out. And let me get that photo and we're going to add it to the, to the thread of photos. So um, have a fantastic weekend, everybody. We may or may not meet tomorrow, just like we may or may not have met today. We don't know. It depends if there's good news to go through like there was today, but lately there has been. So fingers, fingers happy 4th of July. Ah, yeah, to, we don't meet tomorrow. To our American friends, happy 4th of July. To our British friends, we beat your ass, and we got this country <laughs> all to ourselves. <laughs> you ain't nothing. You ain't. My, my granddaddy fought in the Battle oh, of the Bulge against these damn Brits, and oh, that's why we got this freedom over here, y'all. Oh, so but Cheryl, the, right. the reason that the Singaporeans are okay with the fingerprint data because you guys don't have guns. So if the government can't... We don't need that. Yeah, sure you don't. And But the the Texans, they not only they got guns, all their friends got guns. And so when the government comes and says, you need to do your fingerprints, you hear a click, click, say what, boy? We need what to do what body? now, son? 
And Tyler, remember, they gave up their chewing gum. Come on. If they can't hold on to their chewing gum, what else are they going to do? This is what better call. You can't be chewing gum in Singapore, by the way. Oh, Yeah, from a warm mouth. Like, you couldn't even say that. We have a good reason for doing that. Go find out why. No, but reasons are not always. Oh, by the way, anyone's always going to Digital Health Africa? All right. One hour. That's sweet, sweet chewing. Okay, everybody. We will see you next time. Have a great weekend. Thank you, Tyler.